Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Yes, yes, yes. Happy holidays and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. What up? Fran, what is going on with you on this holiday day, my good man? Nothing much. Just a little tired, but you know, I'm fighting through it till Christmas. Yeah, man. Look, it's the criminal season. Ain't nobody got time to be hearing about you being sad and, and, and tired. Fucking suck it up, man. Hey, be man, jolly, I work, man. Put, I work put some bells on and ten hours a day and, and rain all day, that's, straight that's, rain. Man, that's cool, man. That's that's all. That's all You're good. Delivering your damn Amazon package. That's see, that's the negative. You giving you bringing positivity to people, man. Dropping it off at their doorsteps, happiness, man. You bringing joy. Yeah, whatever. You can't be. What if somebody would have came out as you dropping off the packages? Nobody won't hear you. Be like, ah, uh, grimudgeony. Oh, well, fuck Christmas. They want to get their Amazon in their boxes happily, man. Service with a smile. I'm going to change my whole outfit to green. Yeah, that's right. Like the Grinch or yeah, no? Oh, Grinch. okay. Well, that's not good, <laughs> man. Well, on the bright side, I have some news to cheer you up. What? I mean, I hope it will cheer you up. Uh, Miss Denise Williams was found guilty this week of murder. The woman who uh, conspired to kill her husband, Mike Williams, in that affirmative murder you did a couple weeks ago. Yep. She was found guilty on three mm-hmm. counts, including... Uh, first degree murder and like conspiracy to commit murder. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that guy who I can't remember his name right now sat right up on that stand and was like, "It was her." Yeah, straight dry snitched her out, man. Yeah, not even dry snitch. It was the wettest snitch ever. He was like, "No, nah, he's your your honor. It, she made me do it because she didn't want to be with him no more." Yeah, it was a man scorn, man. Yeah. He, oh, so I did all this for you, and you're not gonna you're gonna put, get a restraining order on me? Hell no. He did, in all fairness to her, even though she is a piece of shit, you know murder conspirer he did like try to kidnap her he did kidnap oh, her oh yeah so well, he but was, in his he mind in his so. mind he's like oh I kidnap you a little bit and you just break up with me and get a restraining order <laughs> fuck you we both are going to jail yep you I'm know? going down you coming down with me yeah so rest in peace to Mike Williams uh, that was a sad I uh, watched the documentary I mean the, the episode of that uh, People Magazine or whatever thing you told us to, you know people should watch on Oxygen mm-hmm. it was really sad his, at, towards the end his friend was like you know, set out to his daughter like, if you need anything, you can you can hit me up. You know, because as, as his as his best friend at the time before he died, it, you know, and he got choked up saying it. I thought that was really sad, but it was yeah. a very informative documentary. I enjoyed it. Um, anyway, Fran, uh, next on the agenda, I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, this kid in Canada did one of the most. It's like a dream thing. 
you know, uh, as a person, we've had a couple of jobs that we don't like. He was mm-hmm. working at Walmart, and he got sick of these motherfuckers getting on his nerves and being lying. You know, you know, people, you know, upper level management might may always say some stuff like, "Hey, man, keep it up," and there might be a promotion in it for you. Yeah, just saying little <laughs> bullshit that they never plan on following through with it. Well, my guy Jackson in Canada was like, "Fuck this job," got on the intercom, and was like, "Hey, look, attention." He was a can. He is Canadian, so it was mm-hmm. like. Uh, attention Walmart shoppers eh? uh, Fuck this job eh? uh, These bitch ass motherfuckers Won't keep promises They told Bernadette she could have Friday off They made her come in anyway So you know what this job can do Suck my dick <laughs> And he straight rolled out Said shit Said a couple other cuss words And rolled up out he of that quit? Walmart Yeah Okay. The, the funniest part to me was like I've been busting my ass here for over a year and a half Like that's a long time You know that's not a long time no, to be at a not. job So Calm down, bro. Don't get a big dick. You yeah. know, like, you, you know, it's cool. You, you had a commitment and had a job for a year and a half, but that's not long enough to be like, and I haven't moved up the ladder yet? I'm not the manager here yet? Oh, Wait, what was bluffing. he, like, sales or something? Or was he, like, a team know. leader? I worked at Walmart. No, he was, like, 19. Oh. You know, I guess ni- I guess a year and a half is a long time in 19-year-old world. I worked yeah. at Abercrombie for, like, three years, and it feels like that's such a huge part of my life, but, like, three years is not any kind of time at all. But when you're 17... Three years is like that's high school almost. Yeah, so I get it kind of, but Jackson went hard as fuck for that. I think everybody dreams of when that day that they quit their job. It's like you flip off your boss and tell him because you don't need the reference. Fuck you, man, and fuck this job. Yeah, Never coming I mean, back. You could do that at what was he nineteen? Yeah, but he, not... you could do that at nineteen. You can't do that at twenty twenty five. No, no, no. You need your references. Yeah. You can go get another job at Target, some other yeah. low level retail job where they don't need a reference. But like, you can't quit your uh, cubicle office forty thousand dollar a year job, and be like, suck my dick, fuck this job, and then put them down as a reference to yeah. a job that, like that requires references. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, let's not follow in Jackson's footsteps. Let's uh, but let's live vicariously through Jackson, and and, and you know, go maybe someday that'd be nice if I had a story like that. But I have a kid, so yeah. I mean, maybe if you hit the lottery. Oh yeah. Oh, if I hit the lottery. Oh. The things I'll say to my boss if I if, win the lottery. If I hit the lottery, they would probably put me in prison. <laughs> just cause <laughs> just cause pandemonium at the post office. Fuck these boxes, man. Mail? <laughs> Light on fire. Fuck this, man. Go and pretend to help people out in the front. What do you need, ma'am? I wanted to get some- Shut up, bitch. <laughs> and then leave. Yeah, oh, yeah. It'd be a mess. If I oh, had, yeah. was quitting to possibly never work again yeah oh yeah fuck yeah. what oh man that would be that would be a dream so shout out to jackson for that i, thought that mu- was I will be smiling in my mugshot oh yeah like, oh yeah when i get out oh those racks oh the m's oh I'm just, i got so many m's waiting for me when i get out of here oh my god yeah so shout out to jackson on that one i thought it was pretty cool mm-hmm. uh another funny thing that i saw was that uh kfc has come out with the colonel the colonel yeah the colonel mm-hmm. <laughs> they've come out with fireplace logs that smell like fried chicken. Nah. That ain't it. That's a no-go. Yeah, that, that ain't it, man. I don't know who is this geared towards, but if you if I walk in your house and it smells like fried chicken, I'm like, oh, man, what what's for dinner tonight? Fried yeah. chicken? I'm like, oh, no, that's just the logs. I'm leaving your house. You got your house smelling like fried chicken and there's no fried chicken for dinner? <laughs> that's like fra- false advertising, you know? But, you know, it's just in time for Christmas, so, you know, you're hanging those 
hanging those little, you know, stocking stuffer socks over the fireplace. You got that, you know, uh, drumsticks roasting on an open fire. Oh, that's my buble. You got the, you know, you got that log bro- blowing out that fried chicken smell. I mean, nothing says Christmas more than that to me. I don't know about you, but, you know, that's a dream to me. Yes. Fried chicken and stocking stuffer gifts? Say no more. <clears throat> but, you know, before we jump into these good vibes, you know, I got, I have to bring you guys down a little bit with um, some sad news that I just found out about from the Facebook group. Uh, in what is the recorded 26th trans murder of this year, uh, a trans woman named Kelly Stowe was murdered in Detroit uh, over this past week um, by a former pastor. His name is Albert Weathers. And in the county that she was murdered in, another trans woman was murdered in the same county this year. And I thought, um, coming off of our conversation from a couple of weeks ago about homophobia in the black community, I just wanted to touch on this before we leave the year about, you know, transphobia, homophobia, you know, it is all oppression is oppression, you know, and violence against people is violence against people. And I just wanted to address this because um, I think that that's terrible that two murders in the same county is proof. I mean, there's no need for proof, but it's it's an obvious uh, direct attack on the trans community. It's like, oh, these are people being attacked for who they are. In this specific case, the guy Albert Weathers killed uh, killed Kelly and then went to work and then called the police and said that he had just shot a robber. So it, it's sketchy. All the details aren't, aren't out yet, but mm-hmm. I think that this, it's possible that this is like uh, a D. Wiggum situation, which was a story I did early on this year about a trans woman who met met with a guy, hooked up with him, and then afterwards, <laughs> afterwards, he found out, quote unquote, that she was trans after they had hooked up, which oh, yeah. I thought was like what, and then he stabbed her like a hundred times. Um, I think that if they had some kind of um communication or something where it pissed this guy off and he killed Kelly. And uh, he then went to work and pretended like he stopped a burglar, you know? So I just want to touch on that. I want to say rest in peace to Kelly Stowe. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to say, uh, you know, I would love to consider myself someone who is uh, objectively a peaceful, positive and loving person to people of all walks of life. Uh, the trans community is not one that I'm very familiar with. I respect your struggle, and I would love to learn more. But it seems like uh, it's really hard to ask a ask a person from a community, "Hey, can you like can you point me in the direction of how to learn how I can be how I can learn to be of help or learn to unprogram things within my mind?" And a lot of the feedback that I get from from people, you know, in, in certain communities, not no, not one specific one, but even though the impression is there, they're like, I'm not a teacher, you know, you should go, go read a book. Mm. And is that's, and it's like, okay, well then, all right, well, I'm trying to ask and right. I'm not really getting feedback that's positive, to, you know, to point me in the right direction. So it's like, all right, well, it slips my mind and I continue to go on about my life because yeah. it's not my fight. So right. it's not like it's burned in the front of my brain. And whenever I, you know, 
not whenever, but sometimes you reach out and you go to you try to go to the next level. Like, okay, now I know that it's a problem. How can I learn how to help in my own way? It's like, I'm not a teacher. I get that on Twitter all the time. I see it and people being like, I'm not here to teach people what to say and what to not do. You should go learn on your own. I was like, okay, well, okay. all right, well, I tried. I, I tried. In my mind, I tried, you know. So, uh, but anyway, that's not the point. The point is I wanted to say rest in peace to Kelly Stowe, and I wanted to say it's like crazy that there's been 26 recorded cases of trans murder this year, and that's recorded, like I said, who knows how many are unrecorded or people thought it was they pended on something else. It was a drug or, you know, uh uh, domestic a fight or, and didn't call it for what it was which was like violence against a person for uh their sexual orientation you know so i just wanted to give a quick highlight to that and then before one more time before we go to good vibes i wanted to give a shout out to a new listener who uh put something up on the facebook group after we had that conversation about uh homophobia in the black community and this lady jumped came onto the facebook group as a new listener dropped gems and uh became immediately like oh you're the new you're the newest awesome member of this amazing group and major presence felt immediately so i wanted to give a shout out to jaleesa pauling and i wanted to read her facebook post really quick because i thought i mean it, it, i had a beautiful conversation with her other people jumped in and it was very enlightening for me and i learned something because when i when i read it you're gonna it's gonna it's, it's gonna sound like oh that's obvious but again Everything isn't obvious to somebody who's not going through the struggle that a person is going through. So it's obvious to say, yeah, if you hear somebody saying something wrong, you should stand up and say it. It's like, yeah, obviously, that's what you should say. But it's not it's not always obvious to a person where you're like, oh, you're conflicted and you don't know how to approach it and say the right thing. So it's like, I don't really know how to say this how I want to say it. So I don't know. Just I, what am I? What, who am I to change? I can't change anything. And Jaleesa challenged me on that, but she challenged me in a positive way. So Jaleesa said, hey, so I found this podcast while binging It's About Damn Crime. Shout out to them. Awesome podcast. Uh, they are the female version of us and uh, hilarious. And um, one of their husbands is on the podcast and he gives, you know, Brittany a hard time. And I just I, just, I think that's a, I think that's a I think it's a great podcast. Anyway. <clears throat> She said, and I love, and I've been binging this since last week. Love it. Decided to listen to the newest episode to see what the current news topics were that they were talking about. So glad I did. First of all, let me say I freaking love these guys because it's like me doing a podcast. So you must be pretty awesome. Uh, having a similar childhood with the twist of being in the South. Now, when it comes to the discussion of homophobia in the black community, yes, it is still bad and prevalent. And I am not even going to get into being gay and Christian in the black community. That's a whole different situation. But be the drop in the damn bucket. Be that person. You never know who else feels the way that you you do, but fade into the background or fake the dislike to fit in. What's the worst that could happen? As a person of the LGBT plus community, for me, speaking out slash coming out meant possibly being ostracized by my family. I feel like you have less to, to lose to say something if you are in the presence of your family being homophobic. Not saying being loud or rude, but just saying something like they need love too or uh, they, uh, they are people too or they deserve the same respect. Anyways, love the podcast and still binging. Y'all are my favorite boys. Not that's not, I'm sorry. Y'all are my boys, not my favorite boys. 
I don't mean I didn't mean to suck my own dick in the middle of this. <laughs> I feel weird reading compliments, but she said it. It's there. It's it's real. I'm not making this up. Y'all are my boys. Literally been procrastinating joining the Facebook group because I feel like it will take over my life. It's like having my homies over and kicking it. She is funky slang. Shout out to Jaleesa. I thought that was I thought that was very enlightening and a in a cool way to say, yeah, man, what you said, I disagree with, and you should say something, but not like fuck you. Uh, no, you should say something. You're a homophobic too because you didn't say anything. It's like all right, well, I, you know. So I just appreciate people having a dialogue, you know, and that's I just that's what I love most about doing this podcast. And so I just wanted to give a shout out to Jaleesa for that, and um. Uh, that's about all I got. So if you don't have anything else to really mention that you thought was terrible this week, we got nothing. Um, the Colorado mom. Did you hear about that? No, Colorado mom. The lady that went missing. Uh, I think she was going like um, things the day before Thanksgiving, I believe. She went missing, and then like they just found out that her employee got a text from her phone saying, "Oh, I'm not going to be in work for the, this week." Uh huh. And then they just, they that's the last, her? yeah, they still looking for it. They don't know where she is. That's the last thing they, they got that their employer, you know, evidence they have is that text. Oh, she's probably dead. Uh, unless it's a gone girl situation, which I haven't come across many of those, but uh, that sounds like if it's not that she's dead and somebody killed her or if she killed herself, that's creepy. As then it's though, a gone girl man. situation. Have you seen gone girl? No. Oh, we're doing gone girl next month on, for serial and serial then you have never you've not not even you don't even know i don't think so don't even look up a trailer or anything uh guys i'm saying it right here right now there will be no vote in january <laughs> we are watching gone girl uh in january you have to see that movie so we're watching gone girl next month anyways uh <laughs> let's get into these good vibes Yes, that's right. Welcome to another Good Vibes segment. Just in time to continue to boost you up during this lovely holiday season, whether it be Christmas, Hanukkah, or Ramadan, or Kwanzaa, for those of you that celebrate that, and whatever other kind of pagan or whatever celebration that it is in the month of December. Shout out to you as well. Fran, you got any Good Vibes for me this week, man? Yeah, uh, my Good Vibes story this week is about hospitalized children are getting a healthy dose of holiday cheer thanks to a sweet little initiative from santa's workshop okay so these kids that are in the hospital you know have some type of sickness so they're in there right. long periods of time yeah and they said during this time kids feel left out that they're not home with their families sure. during the holidays so this week numerous children's health system is utilizing their uh, telemedicine service called care connect to allow hospitalized children to have a face-to-face conversation with santa who will be speaking to them from the North Pole? Hmm. That's all. So like a like a Skype. So it's like yeah, it's like a Skype call. They got these. They got these. Um, uh, I don't know if these are doctors or just nurses, but they they got these guys dressed up in like elf, you know, suits. Yeah. And they, I guess they, they control the you know the call. Oh, like they come in and so set it up. And they come and set it up. And then Santa I like that. the screen. And yeah. then Santa's on the other side, wherever he is. Uh-huh. Supposedly North Pole. Yeah. So you sound no, like a not. Santa conspiracy. No, he's conspiracy. Not really but you know. Whoa, excuse me? Santa's not real. You know. What are you but, saying? You know, wait, wait, wait. What are you saying right now? I'm saying Santa's not real. That's what I'm saying. But but you're wrong. Alright, man. Hey. What are you saying, man? I'm saying Santa's not real. That's what I'm saying. 
Who told who told you this? What are you talking about? Wait, come on. Wait, wait, man, wait. Who told you this, man? Me. I'm the real Santa. I, I bring everybody's packages every day. They call me Santa. Hold on, man, wait. What are you saying to me right now? Are you saying who told you that Santa isn't real, man? He's not he's not real. Go on with your story, man. <laughs> Go continue with your story, man. The children at numerous <coughs> hospitals in Orlando and Delaware will be able to. All right, you okay? Yeah, man. Go ahead with your story, man. I'm all right. I'm good. Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, so they they were able to share their Christmas wishes and interact with Santa's elves, who will be helping manage the video conference in person. So I mean, these kids were happy that they you know get to you yeah. know talk to Santa and be like you know hey I don't know what conversation they had, but I'm to me I would think you know. Here's my list. Here's my checklist. You know, yeah. I want a Barbie doll. I want yeah. a car. Hey, hey Santa, how are the reindeer doing? Yeah. How's Mrs. Claus? I love you. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants to talk to Santa Claus. Yeah. <sighs> Go ahead. But too bad he's not real. <clears throat> but um, that's my good vibe story that these these kids are, they they, they feel you know yeah, they get the they're happy spirit. yeah they get the yeah. spirit they get to talk to Santa they're not feeling alone. I just think that's a that's that's a, a very good idea and how you know technology has come a long way yeah. for kids to be able to do that. And so that's like that's a that's like about. a that's like an aspect of the Christmas holiday season that you don't think about like people that aren't home, people that are yeah. in, you know, maybe away at war, people that are in hospitals and sick or hurt even if they aren't sick, just like they got hurt and they are in the hospital for mm-hmm. the whole month through the whole Christmas season. I think that that's a really cool way specifically for kids yeah. to get to see Santa Claus and probably brag a little bit more to your friends like, "Well, Santa Claus skyped me." Yeah. So, you know, I, I haven't they have a video. I haven't seen the video, but I'm guessing Santa Claus is like he looks like an official Santa Claus. Like if Santa Claus was real, that's what he would look like. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know why you keep saying. Instead of, you know, some bullshit Santa Claus that's skinny, baggy yeah. suit with the with the beard hanging yeah, off his face. If I go anywhere and there's a with Santa a 40 Claus in his hand. <laughs> Where did you go? Hey man, is this where you took your kid from the hood, man? Santa should never have a forty in his hand and no facial hair. Yeah, no, any Santa that's not fat and is clean shaven is like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> um, I think that's a dope story. Shout out to you. That's yeah. great. Good vibes. That's very good. Uh, love to think of a kid being sick in the hospital and then just being brought to the highest levels of joy mm-hmm. by talking to Santa Claus. Just forget about all that. All that stuff they going through. Yeah, exactly. Get away, escape for a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, I think that's dope. Um, my good vibes segment this week is more of a shout out, but it's, it's still good vibes for sure. So my um, good vibes is about Tamala Austin, who is uh, the owner of Jive Juice. Uh, so uh, Tamala Austin was working on her master's degree at Texas Women's University. And while she was working there, she was trying to figure out how to get her product, which is fresh juices, into a store called Whole Foods. That is exactly what happened in 2018. And Austin said Friday would mark one month that her drinks from her jive for her from her company Jive, which is shortened from juicing is very essential, hmm. has been in uh, her local Whole Foods. I like that name. It's a really good name. Yeah. And it's an acronym that makes sense as to makes sense as well. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, Jive became the first black owned juice brand to be placed in the Amazon owned supermarket chain. Mm. The business has grown a lot since she started servicing the humble Kingwood and Atascosha areas from the Jive van about five years ago. So she was going around hitting the streets 
basically doing like food truck but juice, you know. And I can't say enough. I love fresh pressed juice, first of all, but it is one thing that is not hitting black communities hard. It's a it's an untapped market because I think you know a lot of <coughs> me being somebody who grew up. I grew up in a food desert as a young kid. I grew up eating honey buns and 25-cent <laughs> bags of potato chips because... And Rice Krispies. Exactly. And a ton of Rice Krispie treats and juice and Hawaiian punch and all these sugary things because that's all I knew and that's what was around me. Yeah. There's a corner store everywhere. You go in the corner store with a dollar, you can get enough food to fill you up even though it's all junk food. Full bags of chips. Exactly. So they used to be. Yeah. Uh, it's now it's like 50 cents for the little bags. When that's it used to be same. 25, you get four for a dollar. Half of it's air. Exactly, right? Um, anyway, let's not go down memory lane about <laughs> the delicious, delicious snacks because they are bad for you. They're terrible for you. But you know what is a lot of these drinks uh, that are fresh pressed juice are? They're very sweet. They're a great substitution for Hawaiian punch. You know, if you take a uh, strawberry, beet, lemon, and, you know, apple, and maybe some carrot, bl- blend it up in a drink, that's a really good juice. But, you know, you know, a lot of people who grew up in situations like me, it's like, oh, but you can get a jug of Hawaiian punch for $1.29. So we'll I mean, just drink that, and it's terrible for you. Yeah, like I don't want to get too off, but I can't even drink Hawaiian punch anymore. I, my palate is, and I was about to say something really, like I was about to say, my palate is so not poor anymore. But it's true, I don't drink that stuff anymore. But it's so sugary that I, I when I drink it, I can't believe I used to guzzle this stuff as a kid. You know, I can't drink it now because I, I used to drink it so much. Yeah, like now it's like my dad. Used to have always had not go, I go to this house. It's what, like, what you get, man. It's, I'd rather drink water. I, I would much rather drink water <laughs> than drink Hawaiian punch or uh, Welch's grape juice. It's so, it's so sweet, you know. Like it's just it's too sweet, and that's why these kids are getting juvenile <laughs> diabetes and being huge big kids because they don't have access to fresh foods. It's way harder to find a grocery store that is even in a lot of these low income neighborhoods. Whether that's because they don't do good business because people in these situations don't either have the money to eat properly or have the knowledge to eat properly. Mm-hmm. And so they just say, fuck it. You know, like you'd be hard pressed to go into Baltimore City right now and just stumble upon a grocery store that's not a Murray's or uh, uh, like a Mars or some kind of discount grocery store that just sells a bunch of boxed up frozen foods, mm-hmm. a bunch of chicken patties and frozen McNuggets and burgers, like a real fresh produce grocery store that isn't some discount grocery store, you know, like a place that sells high quality food. It's Aldi's, hard. Like Aldi's. So you say. Um, what? There are no, <laughs> not, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan. Anyway, um, so <laughs> Tamala went on to say in this article that she got interviewed in, uh, she said, you never know who's watching you. They just sent me a direct message and I was like, is this real? Referring to Whole Foods being like, my G, I see how you've been moving in these streets. We want to put those jive juices up in Whole Foods, cause, mm-hmm. and that's how, uh, that's how the um the owner of Whole Foods talks. Uh, what's does that guy's he, name? Does he really? Mm, just uh, fuck the the guy that owns Amazon. I don't know. I know he's rich. Fuck. Oh man, I can't. Remember he owns Whole Foods too. Best Jeff Bezos. He bought Whole Foods. Yeah. Oh. He bought Whole Foods, and now you can get Whole Foods sent to your what? You can get Whole Foods sent to your house by Amazon. They'll bring you your groceries. Jeff Bezos. That's the same. He's rich as fuck, man, but he's not paying people what they need to be paid. So that's pretty problematic, man. These Amazon factories are, you know, they're paying people people minimum wage and giving them holiday hours. And then after the holiday's over, they fire people. Amazon's got some problems. But anyway, that has nothing to do with Whole Foods and that has nothing to do with Tamara doing boss shit. Uh, So, uh, 
Anyway, that's just about it. Tamara um has is the um What's his name? Jeff Bezos? Jeff Bezos, yeah. Um That dude is worth 131 billion dollars. Yeah, man, he's rich as fuck. He's, that rich, is he's like the richest man in the world. Wow. Um anyway, yeah, that's that's my um good vibes of the story. I thought it was beautiful because Tamara is an African American woman doing her own shit, got her own business, following her own dreams, and now she had a dream on her little wish board and ended up coming true. Her jive juices are now in some Whole Foods stores. I don't know if they're in all. I don't know if you can go to your Whole Foods locally and get a jive juice, but um, I think this is a very awesome step, to A, towards um, black entrepreneurship and B, towards bringing uh, the education of proper eating to a community that is given the worst food in abundance and it's killing people mcdonald's burger king shitty frozen you know chicken mcnuggets you give to your kids uh these juices and these honey buns and all these things that they taste good but the one of the reasons they taste good is because they're packed with sugar that is addictive it is a sugar is a drug and it's addictive and that's one of the reasons you can't stop eating mcdonald's and you can't stop eating honey buns. It's not just because they're cheap. It's because you are craving. Your body is craving them. Yeah, I like oatmeal cream pies. I'm, I'm sure you do, man. It's, it's all yeah. It's all good. It's just sugar. It's just a big sugar pie. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we got one like. All right, that's one way to look at that. Yep. You're, luckily for you, you have a fast metabolism. But you do know I? what's gross? Uh, weighing 150 pounds and having diabetes. Hmm. It just it it's, it doesn't look cute. If you got a big, you got a big gut, but you're skinny. You look like one of those ants from Men in Black. So watch yourself, man. I don't want you to be forty out here looking like uh, uh, um, the letter B. You know. I walk it off. That's true. You do walk a lot. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, that is my good vibes. That is Fran's good vibes. I want to leave us off. um, I want to send us off with. um, Also, uh, I created a playlist on Apple Music. Um, It is a compilation of all the good vibes songs that we've played. Throughout the year. Of is it this. like on air? For yeah, like... so it's available. It's, it's, it's public, you know. It's 29, oh, okay. 29 songs of straight fire. Of right. uh, varying seasonal and moods and fast and slow and all these different kind of things. This week, the addition will be that Faith Evans, Love Like This. So, uh, single ladies, I can't hear y'all. Single ladies, I make noise. Shout out to Batman Scoop. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, time to talk about some Stay tuned. And we are back. Fran, it is your turn to go first this week. So my first murder this week is Edward H. Ruloff. Oh. Now, this is an old one. This is like... Like old, old, like 1800s. real 1800s. Ooh. Yeah. I like these I like these uh, better sometimes because they're more like a story. Because you're so not attached. Because mm-hmm. it's just such a different era. I like that. See, I think this is probably my first one. Like this? Like being old like this. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. 1800s slavery still around all right let's do it set the scene <clears throat> somebody's holding a lantern no horse there's a wagon all right i'm into it let's do it let's do it let's do it yeah 
Turuloff was born near St. John, New Brunswick, to German immigrant parents. His brother was a photographer, Will William Rulofson. Rulof's two lives were both premature. By the time he was 20 years old, he had already worked in a law firm and served two years in prison for embezzlement. Did you say 14? 20, 20 years. Oh, old. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I, I don't know why I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh he served two years in prison for embezzlement. In 1842, he moved to Drayden in upstate New York, where he worked as a school teacher and studied. But he studied he studied medicine. Okay. I don't know what this is. With Dr. Henry W. Bull, the following year, Rudolph impulsively married Bull's the Bull's 17 year old cousin. I mean, okay, he was he was 20. I'm thinking. Yeah. Also, I, but also back then everybody <laughs> was dead by like 40, so. You know, okay. life moved a bit faster in the 1800s. All right. Um, yeah, so he married his 17-year-old cousin, Harriet Shute, with no formal no formal courtship and against the wishes of Shute's family, who considered Rudolph beneath their station. Mm. Rudolph was jealous, possessive husband. After witnessing his wife kissing Bull once, Ooh. I mean... She wasn't ready to get married. She wanted to live her life, man, but she got the pressure. Yeah, but Bull's her cousin. Wait, what? <laughs> the guy that, oh, the guy that he worked with? Yeah. Oh, I thought this was some new guy. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, that's no. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, no. So, so she's just disappointing her parents left and right. It's like, first we told you not to get married to somebody. Now you want to fuck our family? <laughs> you got to go. Yeah. You got to um, go. I thought, I don't know what I thought you thought at first. I thought you just said some <laughs> some person oh, like she okay. got caught kissing some I'm guy like, Bo- named Bowl. I thought you just said some guy's name. Uh, I didn't know. I, I didn't. I, Bull, I didn't put Bull it was his last. It's their last. Name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I get. No. I got it now. Oh. I, yeah. I, oh. Oh. I got it now. But at, before I was like, yeah, whatever. She just wanted to live her life and be right. free. No, you can't be kissing your cousins, man. <laughs> no. Unless they're second cousins. Is that? Is that That's okay? by marriage. Second, it is. I believe so. Right. Look, man, I didn't say I did it, but okay. you know, some you know, go to a family reunion, having a good time, some drinks, and you know, cousin by marriage. That's not real blood, you know. All right, uh, I'm, but I'm just this is hypothetical. But okay. I'm just saying. Got gotcha. you. Just to be clear. All right. Uh, so yeah, so after witnessing his wife kissing her cousin, yeah, uh, Rudolf Rudolf took her aside and produced a vial telling her that it contained poison and that he had used um, an I- identical one to kill his niece and sister-in-law. Oh. Who had died earlier under Rulof's medical care. He ordered her to drink it. He ordered her to drink from it, telling her that they would die together. When she screamed for help, <laughs> what? How do you think that was going to go? Like, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> She's like, no. Yeah. So when she screamed for help, he attempted. He attempted to calm her and telling her it was just a joke. <laughs> no, I was just playing. I was just playing. He thought it was Romeo sight, and sight, Juliet. Sight, sight, sight. <laughs> he thought it was Romeo and Juliet. You'll drink this, and then I'll drink it, and then we'll both. Die. Oh my God, he's crazy! No, no, I was just playing. No, I was just, I was just playing. I was just joking around. What? You think I made poison in a lab in the middle of the night? Then it's like super awkward after that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> no matter what, even if she believes that it was a joke, she's like, "Who makes jokes like that?" Yeah. I don't. I want a divorce. Yeah. Uh. So the couple moved to Lansing, New York, where Harriet gave birth to a girl, Priscilla. Rudolph wanted to be further away from his wife's family, 
So he wouldn't kiss her. She wouldn't make out with her cousins anymore. Yeah, 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 I get that. (laughs) Yeah, and pressure her to move to Ohio, where he planned to work as a lawyer or a college professor. When Harriet refused and threatened to return to her family, and they thought this guy was beneath her station. Yeah. What did they do? Damn, that's, they must have been this, like royalty. Of yeah, New but York. this guy, he is smart though. This guy, yeah, apparently I mean, he's like, smart. Yeah. You know how I'd be like, I'm a lawyer and I practice medicine and I have the credentials to be a professor. Yeah, and you think I'm not good enough for your daughter who kisses your family? Get out of here. Maybe he's just he's super smart, but he just broke. He just doesn't have any money. Oh, uh, okay. He's rich in spirit. Yeah, and he's rich in mind <laughs> and spirit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's not good enough. That's not. Do no. <laughs> you see what kind of wagon he drives? Look at his horse, Dusty. Yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, so when Harry refused and threatened to return to her family with their daughter on June 22nd, 1844. Sounds weird, man. I'm not just, I'm not used to saying that. Yeah, man, you went way back. <laughs> uh, yeah, so on June 22nd, 1844, Rudolph accused her of having an affair with Bull and fate- Still? Yeah, still. Can't and, quit him. Yep, and fatally, he hit her on the head with a pastel. Pastel? Pistol? No. Oh. Pastel. How do you spell that? P e s t l e. P e s t l e. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what that is. Pestle. I don't know what that is. But this sounds like the movie Unfaithful, except for the family stuff. Hmm. That movie, whew, hot movie, scorching, hot movie. What do you mean? Diane Lane. What is it like? Like romantic? You mean? Oh, it's an affair movie, oh, and okay. she's having an affair with uh, Richard Gere, with this Italian, young Italian, good-looking dude, long hair. He comes in fucks her in the coffee shop with her friend. She's like at lunch with her friends, right? And they're all just... What is it, like Sex and the City? Oh, it's darker than that. And sexier than that. This movie, this movie's... This movie, I shouldn't have watched it at, at the age I watched it. I was like 12. Shouldn't have watched it. But Diane Lane, breathtaking. Why are we watching... What? Listen, man, I'm, a, I'm an old soul. You yeah. Know, I pull up a nice, you know, a nice... Um, she playing video games. Pull up a nice mug of coffee and watch a, you know, a titillating drama. A mug of coffee at twelve years old. Yeah. I'm you didn't? Old. No. All right. Well, hey, man, we're all adults now, so maybe watch <laughs> Unfaithful. You know, you, you, it's a great movie. Watch it with your lady. It'll get you guys all percolated and hot, and everything like that. Oh, we don't need a movie for that. <laughs> all right. So we'll let you continue with your story. You don't need to go any further. <laughs> You do have a kid, so never... Yeah, that's true. I guess you don't. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so he hit upside the head. So Ruloff decided to commit suicide. Oh, wow. But he found himself incapable. I mean... Coward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to know what exactly what he tried to do. He, why didn't he drink his juice that he made? Right. So the next day, Ruloff bur- borrowed a horse and wagon from his neighbor. Because it's nicer than his. See, <laughs> I told you. Uh, the Andersons. That's who his neighbors were. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the pretense of returning a wooden chest to his uncle. That's what the, he told them. Mm-hmm. Besides the chest, the Andersons saw Rudolph placing a half full sack or pillowcase in the wagon and subsequently driving toward Cayuga Lake w- Cayuga Lake on the opposite direction um, to he declared his destination. So, oh. If they don't know who his uncle is, why wouldn't he just say he lives that direction that he was going? I don't know. I don't understand <laughs> why, why. Why the intricate lie? <laughs> why? Just he could have just been like, "Can I borrow your wagon?" Yeah. And can I call? borrow your wagon? I need to go take this ancient trunk and just that this way to my uncle's house. Then you put the trunk in and something else and, and go the opposite, opposite way. <laughs> it's like, oh, you lied to us, and we just let you borrow our car. <laughs> he put his his bike blink on and do this. <laughs> <laughs> 
did the the bike hand signal. Coming out, coming out. They're like, didn't you say you were going left? Oh no, what? Bye. Ha! And then he, he right. tried to get away real quick. Oh man. Yep. Uh, so he goes the opposite direction. He said he was going. So when Ruloff returned, still with the chest, he told Miss Miss Anderson. What's up with you, man? Why would you do this intricate lie and do none of the things? Put it somewhere. Go back yeah, and get it later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I mean, I said I want. I, this is part of the lie, but I love this chest. I don't really want to get rid of it, so I'm gonna come back with it. Idiot. Yeah, and then he comes back. He's like, "Thanks for letting me borrow the wagon. Why do you still have the chest, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I gotta go. Just keep run away. <laughs> uh, so when, yeah, when he returned, he still got the chest. He told Miss Anderson that he he and his wife will be out of town for a couple of weeks. And left the house in complete disarray. Yeah, that's not that's not like uh, suspicious at all. Like, uh, why do you still have the chest? Uh, uh, me and my wife are gonna be out of town. We're leaving right now. Uh, okay. What? Right. <laughs> all your lights are still on. <laughs> Bye. He just runs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Ruloff returned, amid the rumors that he killed his wife. Confronted by the shoot the shoots, he denied any murder and claimed first that his wife was abandoning him. Even though he told his neighbors that they just went on like a vacation. Right. I mean, he's all over the place. Yeah. He's not uh, a liar at all. No. Then, then that he had moved to Ohio together. So the whole his whole thing was they he wanted to move to Ohio to get away from her family. To get away from Bull. Yeah. And then I guess her family found out like you know where is she? Yeah. What's going on? Or whatever. And then he just making up some bullshit now like oh yeah. well she left me. Yeah. She yeah. She ran off. Yep. So need a statement. Uh, was believed because of Harriet's clothes and personal items had been found in the house. I mean... Yeah. This right. dude's awful. This yeah. dude sucks. Yep. Implying that she had not left on her own, um, Ruloff fled a second time. He's out of there. <laughs> well, you know... It's probably I mean, a lot easier to do this back now. then, too. Yeah, just run. You run fast <laughs> enough that they won't find you for a little bit. Eventually, you get away. Yeah. This is the time where you could, like... This is that time where you could be like, yeah, I got some trouble. I got some warrants in Maryland. So I went to New Jersey, and I just live a different life here now. That's crazy. Like, change, like, just, just change your name. Just, yeah, just go to a different you state. Can do that. You can just sit, call yourself. Oh, yeah, my name's Steve. Yeah, I mean, he did that. He, oh, okay. He, yeah, yeah, because yeah, you could. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he he ran a second time. I'm going to call him Edward from now on. Okay. Because okay. I'm, I'm tired of saying his name. But he was he was pursued by his brother-in-law, Amph- oh, yeah. Amphrium Shute, oh. who had him apprehended and brought to Ithaca to stand trial for murder. Oh, I thought this was, I, I, you said brother-in-law, I thought cousin. I was like, oh, this is vengeance. No. Let's <laughs> get revenge for you killing his lover mm-hmm. and cousin. Yeah, so. That would have been a better story. Yeah. So brother-in-law catches him, takes him to court to stand trial for murder. Um, Cayuga Lake was, was they searched it all for the body. Now this comes to, to the part where they can't even, can't charge him for anything. Oh, because there's no body. There's no body. Mm. So they, so attempt if they to don't look, get a confession. Yeah, Without I mean, this, this dude is smart. Yeah. Um, well, he's not smart, at least at at lying. lying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so lake to locate. So they looked. They went to the lake to look for the the body. They couldn't find anything. So mm-hmm. they tore that lake up and down trying yeah. to look. For, they couldn't find nothing. But they were. But they were never found. As the grand jury was unwilling to indict Edward for murder without a body, he was instead accused of kidnapping his wife. Mm. So Edward conducted his own defense in his trial. Oh, cause he's a lawyer and he's smart. Mm. <laughs> if I he's doing Charlie from from Always Sunny. If I was to kidnap my wife, are you familiar with Bird Law? <laughs> right. Uh, 
So yeah, so he dug his own defense in trial. In 1846, focusing on the lack of evidence that any crime had been committed, nevertheless, he was found guilty and sentenced to 10 years mm. with hard labor in Auburn prison. I mean, that's getting off pretty lucky for killing someone. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Probably do that Do that standing up. You do that on your toes. 10 years for a murder? <sighs> I mean, what was they doing? Breaking rocks with the, the yeah, big Yeah, I think, you know, thing? probably put you on a chain gang. What's the thing called? A pickaxe. Yeah, that's what yeah. they just breaking probably. railroads or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, uh-huh. Stuff like that. Like the movie Life, starring Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy. Mm. Just breaking stuff, yeah. picking stuff up off the side of the road. You're all connected by a chain and a chain gang wearing striped... Uh, um, correctional officer clothes. Yeah, I, we've never been to prison. Obviously, this yeah, is what we know. think jail. Is. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you know. And then you know you got sing did songs. They, did he still wear the stripes? Did they do that? No, know. black and white stripes. No, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I watched Lock Up Abroad. I know. I know what prison is like in 2018 because I watch. <laughs> I watch Lock Up Abroad and Lock Up Abroad. You ever seen the um the guy that talks about booty? No. Oh yeah, this guy's like a predator, man. He's Wait, like, is that the one that said? Uh, is that the show? Like, you're not cute, you're ugly. Is no, that, that <laughs> that's that's beyond scared straight. Oh. The guy from prison, he's like, well, in here, it's all about booty. In this prison, booty, booty was uh, more important than food. Booty, a man's butt. It was more important. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was more booty. Having some booty was more important than drinking water, man. I like booty. Johnson went on to tell our crew how he used to satisfy his sexual desires, especially during the 1970s and 80s, when he was most active and prison security was more lax. When I see one, and he looks good to me, when I go see him, I say, you come here. I say, I'm telling you what, uh, I like you and I want you. And uh, uh, we can do it the easy way out of the hallway. So the choice is yours, right? And it was always yes. That, that clip is like, it steered me. Like I was like, oh, no, I'll never... When people are like, yo, you want to go? Nope, I don't. <laughs> Have you ever seen Lock Up Raw? No, I'm good. You guys can go do that. I'm cool. I only needed to see that one uh, clip. I was like, oh, they're they in prison giving it up like that? They're in there just taking booty? I'm good, man. I'm all right. I don't know about you that. Know. No, I don't. I, I, I don't, and I never plan to. Yeah. You know? You're not cute. You're ugly. Yeah, that, you, you look dusty. <laughs> that guy's hilarious. He's out. He's out. Oh, he is? Uh-huh. With the same I, wig? You got his wig on? Yeah, I think so. But I don't think his, he never, like, took off on social media. So, for all I know, he might have ended up back oh, in prison. Man. You know, sometimes it that moment hit, but then the next video, might he might have been trying too hard or yeah, it wasn't funny. Or, dark. You know, er, you know, everybody can't blow up virally. You still see him, though. You still see him. Oh, that, I see that clip all the time. Yeah. You look dusty. <laughs> yeah, so while he was in jail, Edward taught himself philolo- philology oh. and formulated his own theory about language ele- evolution. Is that what philology is? It's like, uh, yeah, it's like language? studying language. Okay. Something like that, yeah. That he intended to publish under the title The Great Secret in Philology after his release. So he wanted to write a book. Yeah. And he... And I got the time. You know, yeah. I'm not doing life. I'll be out of here soon. I might as well try to get a lick when I get out by becoming a successful author. Right. Uh, he was even allowed to teach students in his own cell. However, 
His hopes of starting a career in the field were dashed when he was informed that Tompkins County would charge would charge um, him with the murder of his wife as soon as he was released. Oh, they still didn't find the body? No, they still didn't find the body. Edward claimed double jeopardy, double jeopardy and started a legal battle from jail. Mm. The district attorney dropped the charge for Ooh. Harriet for Harriet Rulaw's murder, but replaced it with one of Priscilla's, and that was his daughter. Now, now in this story, what I'm gonna do is, you know, I get later. I'm gonna look the story up again because that was his daughter, and she never even the only the last time I talked I spoke about her was in the beginning. That right, he had right. Daughter. And then there's no history. There's no yet. history up until when he said I killed my. He said he killed his his sister no, and his never. daughter. That's what he said to her. He said, "Drink this," and he said, "I made this. This is how yeah. I killed." But then he said, "Sight." <laughs> he said, "Sight," because she screamed. <laughs> that was the truth. That's what he did. <laughs> he said, "Sight," but Priscilla's his daughter. Um, so now they're trying to say they're trying to put on the murder that he killed his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so Edward was turned was turned found guilty in the crime of eight, in eighteen fifty eight. But he escaped custody before the verdict reached him. Damn. I mean, you could just like you could just get dip out. off. Yeah. What did you get a stick and bindle and then just go? Yeah, pretty much. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, he ran away, got away. Edward was likely assisted in his escape by the sons by the son of Ithaca's under under sheriff, Albert Jarvis, who had been tutor in Greek and Latin by Edward. Mm. I mean, this guy knows. Got him a simpleton. Yeah. He got, got a simpleton to put up under his wing yep. and then help him. Yep. Uh. And would later become his partner in crime. Or by Jarvis' mother, Jane, who also befriended Edward and publicly manifested her belief, her, I'm sorry, her dis- disbelief about him being a murderer. So he got people mm. on his side. Oh, he's, he's, got, he's got that silver tongue. Yeah. Convincing people. Yeah. So whatever the case, Ruloff fled west, alone and on foot. He fled he fed on wild nuts and food stolen from farms. He also lost two toes for, to frostbite. Damn. Yeah. This is the downside of living back then. It's like you <laughs> might can get away, but if you get caught out in the middle of the uh, woods in January in mm. Ohio, yeah, you might not make it. Man lost two toes. Ooh. Why don't you cut them off himself? Or he just still, they, they, no, he still got them? No, they die. They fall off. Oh, shit. Yeah, you get frostbite, frostbite do? and they turn black. And they just, they they turn black, so now they're dead. And then once something on your body's dead, it'll ride away until it just falls off. Oh, that's disgusting. Oh, yeah, that's gross, man. That's gross as shit. Frostbite is no joke, man. Like, once you lose, like, your whole, like, all the nerves and that body part just die, then you just got a dead foot now. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm. All right. Lost two toes. Lucky. Could have been worse. Uh, So, yeah, he lost two toes to frostbite. Reaching Med Medville, Pennsylvania, he introduced himself to a local inventor, A. B. Richmond, under the alias James Nelson, and convinced him to start a business partnership. After Edward brain brandished his knowledge and in subjects as very as all right, I get ready for this one. Oh, <clears throat> big word. Yeah, all right, a couple go. of them. So he taught he told him about his knowledge and subjects as as varied as. Conchology, okay. Mineralogy, okay. Min- forens- minerals, minerals. Mi- yeah, and forensic anthropology. Okay, nice. And you entomology. Entomology. Yeah, you nailed all those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, sounds smart. He sounds like smart. He guy sounds guy. smart, but again, he could a be lying. Look how easy it was for him just to go to another state and be like, "Hello, I'm James now." 
I don't know. Like, but, all right, cool. I don't know because he goes in. Well, I'm not. He going, reads I'm not, a lot. I'm not, I mean, I'm not I, I'm not gonna say he isn't well versed in the stuff that he that he's saying. But when you start off with a lie, who knows what's a, what's a lie and what's not a lie? His name's not James. You know, so you read a book on entomology. All right, cool. Well, let me, well let me finish. Versed. I'll finish, and then. I mean, he's already established that he's smart. He, yeah. he defended himself in court. He's a, he makes poison juice. Mm-hmm. He is a professor. All these different things. Oh yeah, he's definitely smart. Yeah. Uh, so Edward made a similar impression at Jefferson College and was about to take a professor professorship when Jarvis wrote him, informing him that his mother and himself were now destitute and threatening him if he didn't help help them out. Wait, who's Jarvis? Jarvis is oh, the guy uh, that helped him get out of jail. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so now he's got black And his men. mom. And his mom. Remember they... The mom, she believed him. Yeah. The mom believed him. But now they're poor, so now they're so like... So now they're like, we're blackmailing you. Um, yeah. Give us like, money. We wow. gotta give us something. Oh, yeah. you never get off scot-free, man. Yep. But think about what you just said, though. This dude escaped from prison, and now he is in position to be the professor at a college. Yeah. That's crazy, man. To be white in America, man. That's crazy. I mean, especially back then. But to be a white man in 1850, it's like, oh, yeah, I live here now. I'm Look, I'm a white man again. And you, now you just, you my just, name is Sean. Yeah, you just throw out, you know, I got a, I got a, uh, what is it called, a manuscript or something of a, a book I may write. Yeah. And I oh, have this a degree. Oh, this guy's smart. Yeah, yeah, I have a degree. You don't need even need to see the degree. You can't Google them to see if it's true. It's like, mm-hmm. I, my name is John, and I have a degree in science. They're like, oh, sure, have a job. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, so Edward... So, yeah, they threatened him, you know, we don't have anything. We backed you up. Uh-huh. So you need to Yeah, send us some money or, or we'll tell people where you are. Yeah. So Edward robbed a jewelry store with the intention of giving the... <coughs> excuse me. With the intention of giving the bounty to to the Jarvises. So he robbed the jewelry store. Got caught. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to give them stuff, but he was arrested and sent back to Ithaca. Wow. In spite of being... In spite of being a murder convict, a fugitive, and a robber, Edward appealed his murder conviction successfully, was acquitted, and was released after authorities decided to not prosecute him for the other offenses. Like escaping from prison? Yeah. <sighs> to be a white man. Yeah. To get <laughs> to get arrested for robbing a jewelry store, be discovered that you're a liar. And you're not this professor, and you you have prior charges. Mm-hmm. Get sent back to where you originally committed the charges, and then be like, "Look, man, I know y'all caught me and everything, but y'all can't send me back to jail." And let me tell you why. And then you go on a whole little monologue, and they're like, "You know what? That's a good point, man. You're free to go." And that's twice. He did that twice. Yeah, and it's like, but that's what great. about him escaping from jail? And he robbed the jewelry store. And what about all that stuff? Nah, well, you know, no harm, no foul. That's crazy. That's, I mean, I'm speechless. Free. He's free. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. So he he re- was released, mm-hmm. moved to New York City with Jarvis, where they survived as burglars. In 1861, Edward was arrested and sentenced to serve two years in a half term in Sing Sing Prison. Never heard of that shit before. Then he met his second partner in crime, William T. Dexter, in 1869. Edward learned of the coming first conviction of the America. Of the American Philology Association and Paul Kipsey, and sent a manuscript detailing his theory in language evolution, which he titled "Method and the Formation of Language." He used the alias Professor Yuri <laughs> Yuri Lurio 
and all right. yeah, <laughs> and announced his intention to auction the manuscript for a starting sum of five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> That's bold. Yeah. Um, although Edward believed his findings would revolutionize the field, the association rejected them, and none of his members bid for the bid for that text. Five hundred thousand dollars? Uh, no, we're good, man. We're I mean, right. that's a that's a whole bunch of money, then. Oh hell yeah! You know how much money is a lot of money on Red Dead Redemption too? No, let man. Know. If you got like ten grand, you're good. Like you're good for a while. Guns don't cost that much money, so. Just based off my Red Dead Redemption 2 knowledge, if you take that and apply it and it's the same thing, mm. $500,000, you like, I think you automatically grow like a white curly mustache and you get a plantation. He thought he was. I don't know who he thought he was. Yeah, I mean, they're like, I'll, I'll let this book that I wrote go, but I'll only let it go for $500,000. And then nobody, everybody was like, mm, what? you keep it. Get the fuck out of yeah, here. Yeah, keep it, man. Uh, So Edward Jarvis and Dex's next plan was, was the robbery of a dry goods store in Bang Banghampton, New York, in 1870. Like raisins? I would think so. Okay. Uh, while the two live-in clerks, Frederick Merrick and Gilbert Burroughs, slept upstairs, the trio burned chloroform in an attempt to ensure that the employees would sleep through the ordeal. Oh. But they woke up. Then Jarvis stumbled on something. I mean, like... These two, guy. This, this guy is not... They are not good at no. at things. Falling? That's how you get left. Yeah, you don't you keep your left. composure? Yeah. <laughs> In the middle of left. a robbery? Yeah, so Jarvis stumbled on something. Merrick first attempt to shoot. Merrick's first attempt uh, first attempted to shoot Edward with a gun. Mm. And this is Merrick is one of the, the, the living that were sleeping, Yeah. yeah. Um, tried to shoot Edward with a gun. That he kept on the pillow, but it jammed. Uh-huh. And Ooh. after that, he grabbed a stool and threw it. At Edward, and this one Edward was running, he threw it at him. Yeah, I mean this dude was like, "No, nah, y'all not gonna be coming up here." Yeah. And I'm nah. making an example of y'all. Right. So meanwhile, Burroughs grabbed Dexter and proceeded to beat him. Mm. When Merrick joined Burroughs, Jarvis and Edward came to Dexter's rescue, and Edward made a warning shot in the air, and Burroughs stopped, but Merrick threw himself at Jarvis. I mean, this dude Merrick was like, yeah, "Fuck this!" Yeah. This is the third not, time this month. He's I not bet, going yeah. down like that. I bet this wasn't the first time they had been robbed. No. Like, not this time. No. Um, so, but Merrick threw himself at Jarvis. Edward made a second warning shot, and then Merrick wouldn't, wouldn't, he wouldn't, he just wouldn't stop. No. And then he, uh, Edward pointed the gun at Merrick's head, fired, killing him instantly. Damn, at his head, though? Yep. Couldn't shoot him in his leg? Fuck that. So I let, gave you two warnings. So you just let the blicky go when you're the robber? <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, I, I warned you yeah. to let us leave from the middle of this crime, <laughs> and you didn't. So now I'm going to kill you, not maim you. Yeah, I mean that's I guess that's a, that's some kind of logic. I mean they already they they're already in the wrong. Yeah, and they probably didn't have masks on. They're like we got to kill them anyway. Yeah. They hadn't seen us. Yeah. All right, I guess that makes sense. Uh, and their disorder escaped. The robber the robbers missed the boat. Um, <laughs> that's what they called the ferry. Yeah. yeah, they missed the ferry. Um, that would get them across Chenango, Chenango River and attempt to swim, uh, and attempted to swim across the river. Wow! The exhausted Jarvis and Dexter drowned. Were unable to keep up with the current and drowned. <laughs> <laughs> Clumsy motherfuckers. <laughs> this is like a dark comedy movie waiting to happen. So they failed at the robbery, yep. killed a guy. Yep. Then they're like, oh, shit, we missed the boat. Let's swim for it. And mm-hmm. they're like, oh, oh, my quads, man. I can't keep up. And it's drowned yep. mid-run. That's crazy. 
why would you try to swim in a in a body of water that requires a boat to get across? They had Clearly, no other... it's been discovered that humans can't make this journey. That's why there's a ferry. You're like, fuck it. We either stay here or we get a, we get arrested or we get across or we take our chances getting across. Like, I would have... Oh, no, they did murder somebody. Never mind. They, yeah. they weren't going away for a little bit of time. So, yeah. Hey. Hey, I guess they deserved it. Oh, they definitely deserved it. Yeah. That's why I laughed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, the bodies were recovered in the morning. Edward made it across. Oh, this dude's a survivor. Yeah, he made it across. He's like, what? <laughs> oh, wait. I'm out of here. Nice knowing, y'all. Yep. Uh, so he made it across, but he left behind a couple of leather boots with what? Just take a guess. With His ID in it. No, they have ID. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the money? No. Hmm. Oh, um, I don't know. I don't know? Okay. Yeah. So he left behind a couple of leather boots with the distinctive... Dep- Depression with his missing toes. Wow. So he could tell, like, oh, whoever on these boots is missing two toes. Yep. I mean, I would think you'd be able to keep that private at this time, though. I guess if you go to the hospital or something, they keep medical records. I don't know, I guess. That's hilarious, though. Yeah. Literally, the shoe, the your, your just, foot. Just that part is all left plush. Left footprint. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like four toes deep in and just one missing. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, it's, it's four-toe Eddie. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, no, three toe Eddie because he. Oh he yeah, 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 shit, yeah. <laughs> uh, so alerted by Burroughs, the Bing, the Binghampton police organized patrols and rounded up men that looked suspicious. Edward made himself a suspect the next morning when he ignored a request to ad- to identify himself at the local railroad station and ran across the train tracks to the nearby farm's outhouse, <laughs> where he was captured. Um, Edward identified himself first as Charlie Augustus. That's his first name. This dude is really good at just pulling names out yeah. of his ass. And then, <laughs> and then later as George Williams. Just keep lying. Yep. He was brought before the bodies of Dexter and Jarvis, who had been publicly displayed to help identify them, and he denied to know them. Nope. I don't know who those guys are. I don't know. Who Looks like they drowned though. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Nope. I don't anyway, know. my name is George. <laughs> so, however. Edward himself was recognized by another onlooker, Judge Ransom Balcom, who said, "You are Edward H. Edward. You are Edward H. Ruloff." So he fucking knew he was. What? Who? <laughs> right, sir. You have the wrong man. My name was his name. He wrote in his book. Like my name is Dudrelius. <laughs> he wrote so the one you said for the book was crazy. Like Elias oh, Gutzquiesch, yeah. and I was like. <laughs> Oh, Professor Yuri Lurio. Yeah, I am. My name is Yuri Lurio. <laughs> he started fucking up somebody. He started combining them. <laughs> my name is Professor, I don't know, Charles August Augustus. <laughs> Stop fucking up. Uh, so, yeah, so a judge knew who he was immediately. And then he says, you are Edward H. Ruloff. You murdered your wife and child in, in Lansing in 1845. Uh-uh. That's all you can say. <laughs> yeah, he then turned to the authorities and warned this man understood his rights so the, the judge like was telling these people like, look, this guy knows he he's smart. He defended himself twice in in, Beat in trial. So I mean, he know his rights. He and he's he said he says this man us understand his rights better than you do, and will defend will defend them to the last. Documents found in Dexter's, Dexter and Jarvis' bodies later led investigations to a Brooklyn apartment owned by Edward under yet another name, Edward C. Howard. Dude got a lot of they that. kept paperwork in their body on themselves that says their address on it. Yeah, this is the worst group of criminals ever. They would not be able to Ocean's Eleven anything. No. 
Uh, so Edward Trout began on January 4th, 1871. It became a sensation that attracted crowds of 2,000 people daily. Damn. Some, such as the director of the New York Tri- Tribune, Harris Greeley, believed that a man with the evident intellectual prowess of Edward was too valuable to too valuable to be executed and should be spared. I mean, he's smart, I don't but think like, so. yeah, like, that's he's not Stephen Hawking. Yeah, um, he just know a little bit about the law. Yeah, so he said he should be he should be spared regardless of his guilt. So Edward himself, who led his own defense again, refused to plead insanity and requested the governor John T. Hoffman either pardon either pardon him or start his execution until his theory on language. I mean, he's he's pushing that evolution was fully developed. So that's, he's saying he was he's saying that I want this book to be made and sold, and then you can do whatever you need. You to can do. do whatever you want to but do. But this that's arrogant to be like I am so smart, and this book is so important. That you can't kill me until you publish this book. And then do what you will. But I cannot die until this book is made. Yeah. Let him like, uh, yeah, you can. Guilty. Yep. If I was the judge. Yeah, so basically he just wanted that book created. He's you know, he's thinking he's on to something. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, Hey, y'all can just y'all can do whatever you want. So on March third, Edward was found guilty and sentenced to hang. Mm. While in death row he confessed it to the murder of his wife and his <coughs> excuse me. And described it in detail. But he had never admitted to killing, to having killing his daughter. Mm. This caused some speculation that he sent her to live with the relatives under a different name and not killed her. Which I would, I would go with that. I would, I would think he would do. Why would you think that? I don't know. That's his daughter. Sure. You ever heard of Chris Watts? Yeah. All right. I I can't. People kill their daughters every day, man. So Edward's execution on May 18th, 1871 was the last public hanging in New York. Some sources claim he gave a speech on the gallows ending with, hurry it up. I want to be in hell in time for dinner. Mm. That is gangster. Yeah. That's pretty fucking gangster. Yeah. They're like doing the, uh, 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 Mr. Uh, Olufsen or whatever his name is. You are a criminal, and you will hang today for... Oh, um, can we get on with this, please? That's hard. That's savage. That's hard. And other sources say that his only statement was, I can't stand still. His brain was taken to Cornell University after his execution, with the professor Butler Wilder declared, declared Edward, Edward's brain to be the largest on record. Oh, word? Yeah. Yep. And that's my affirmative murder. Edward, Edward H. Ruloff. Maybe he really was too smart to get killed. Yeah. But he did. He was, maybe he maybe he was on to something. Well, he'd be really know. sad about the world today. We don't even, we don't spell words right anymore. You know, kids in school just write how they write on Twitter. Do they really? Yeah. I don't even you know. You know about this? No. I got so many teacher friends that like, sit, they like Snapchat uh, they're, while they're grading papers and they'll be like, uh, th- this, uh, like, what is it? Like, um. Well, like tonight with the number two, shit like that, shit like that. They spell tonight like T O N I T E, which I don't know if that's wrong, but I don't think that's like grammatically proper. But all the shit that like people do on like T H T, like T H T instead of that, they write like T H T. Wow, like on a paper, like on a paper for school, that they'll is, write I like didn't how know they that. they'll write like how they write tweets. This word. So they have. So teachers and schools have started to, and if there's any teachers listening, please uh, join, you know, join the conversation on Facebook or on Twitter and let us know. Like they have, they have uh, curved the 
severity of grading kids on their grammar. Like instead of correcting it, they're like they do it so much that it's just like fuck uh, that. I don't, I'm not too harsh, you know. If 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 they're you know they're you know they write a sentence out and then there's one tht in a but oh, there's bro. only one, they'll just be like oh whatever. Nah, yeah. see that's why I'd, I'm not even gonna get into it. <laughs> no, I'm not even gonna go there. Whatever. That's sad, man. Hey man, schools of shit. Cursed cursive probably is not even a thing anymore. Everybody's writing on notepads and iPads and everything like that. But so. for you to bend. Been the rules to be yeah, like, to like to to get rid of no no the That's way the world's I, worked for no. hundreds of years to be like well you know the internet exists now so you don't need to know these skills no like, oh, well you know that all could that shit could crash tomorrow and somebody should know how to write with their hands I hope I'm here long enough to put Sophie in a good situation when she gets older as far as teaching her what I she mean, need to know yeah I mean that's not. That that's not that far from now, man. That was kind of morbid thing to say. Like, I mean, you know, m- you know, put it, send it to a nice middle school, nice high school. That's not forty years from now. <laughs> like, I mean, I like, hope I live stuff, to see the day. But the stuff they teach is not like it's not really. I don't think it's doing anything. But you know, that's my opinion. Yeah, well, you know, I we I dropped out of college, so I don't I don't. Oh yeah, me too. I, you know, I, I went to basketball I don't, I don't class. Have, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I went I went to school for general studies and basketball. Uh, so I had no, I don't really have an opinion on <coughs> education because I think you can find other ways to succeed, succeed in life. Exactly, besides that's, college. Exactly, that's exactly what I mean. I don't like that. I think that if you want to go to college because you want to be a doctor or you know whatever other thing, then great. You need to do do that so you can learn. But like yeah. you don't have, I don't want people teaching my kid in the future like you have to go to college to be successful because you don't. That's the mistake we made. If you have an idea in your mind about a business that you think could work. You don't need to go to school to start that business. You exactly. can just start that business, you know. Exactly. It, so I, um, I that's my opinion on college. I, I mean, yep. on education in general. I think education is great, and I think we should all seek to be enlightened. But m- most of the things that I've learned and anything that I've learned in life, for the most part, I mean, like I would confidently say, like seventy-five percent of anything that I know, I learned independently. I didn't yeah. learn from some teacher teaching me in school. Yep. So, but anyway, hey kids, you know, stay, stay in school. I don't know. Uh, we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break. Just don't murder anybody. Yeah, just don't kill anybody. Hey, look, if you look, not to pick out a specific religion, but there is a list of commandments. You can look them up. It's not anything to do with religion. And I genuinely believe I'm not a religious person at all. But if you follow those commandments, you're doing all right in life. If you you know love thy neighbor, uh, you know don't kill people. Uh, you know, just be faithful to the people that you love in your life and treat people how you want to be treated. If you do those things and you're doing all right in life, man, that's how I live my life. That's why it's like anything, you know, you, you, you want to be, you want to be a man. You want to be a woman. You love who you love. You want to put a bone in your nose. You want to, uh, you know, you love a car, whatever the thing, whatever your get around is, how you want to live your life. If you're not killing anybody, I'm all for it. I love it. And I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to hear your side of the story. Please, just don't hurt anybody, and you and you can live your life in my eyes however you want to fucking live your life, man. Period. And with that being said, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, it's my turn to tell you some fucked up shit. So stay tuned. All right, and we are back, folks. My affirmative murder this week, after weeks of not speaking on this too much, because I thought that it might possibly be a fraudulent confession. I have now been turned around by an article in the LA Times by Mr. Del Quinton Wilbur. And for this reason, I'm going to read this article in my affirmative murder this week. 
is Samuel Little, the man who has recently confessed to killing over 90 people in Los Angeles. Sam Pam Little. Huh? Sam Pam Little. Oh, that's, that's not uh, a thing. It's pretty recent. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, Sam Little. That's what. Yeah, so Sam Little was conv- he he was he's a convicted serial killer who was convicted in 2015 when he was sentenced to life in prison for killing three women in Los mm-hmm. Angeles hmm. in the 1980s. And here we go. <clears throat> FBI analysts sat mutely, listening intently to the scratchy audio feed from an interview across the hall. The two women were anxious, having spent months collecting and assessing ephemeral crumbs from the nomadic life of Samuel Little, a 77-year-old California prisoner and once competitive boxer whom they suspected of multiple murders. So, like I said, this wasn't just some dude walked into a room and just made a confession. They were building a case on this guy for a while before they came to him with evidence that he killed more than the three people that he hmm. was convicted of. DNA evidence, I'm guessing. Exactly. Okay. Very much like the Golden State Killer, and yet, you know, this isn't blowing up headlines the way that, you know, but that's why we do what we do. Anyway, they had no hard evidence, no fingerprints, no DNA, no witnesses. Little had been convicted in 2014 of strangling three women in Los Angeles, and they were convinced he had killed others. How many, they didn't know. The analysts mostly had a gut feeling. Informed by detailed research into four decades of Little's itinerant wanderings across the country. Again and again, in state after state, he seemed to intersect with long, cold investigations into bodies and bones. Their only hope was to obtain a confession a task that felt to a Texas detective known for his expertise in sociopaths and psychopaths, but no one was optimistic. Huddled in a guard break room in the California State Prison in Lancaster on May 17th, the analysts shifted uneasily in their seats, their ears locked on a speaker and eyes fixed on a stack of notes, police reports and crime scene photographs spread across a table. They were as ready as they could be, though nothing could have prepared them for what was to come. The unspooling of one of the nation's worst serial killing sprees involved dozens of deaths. It would take dog police work and more than a little luck. Unlike investigations that start with a victim and lead to a serial killer, this time a suspect would have to lead to the corpses. But was Little ready to talk? The extraordinary investigation began in April 2013 when FBI analyst Christy Palazzolo received a call from Los Angeles homicide detectives. According to the FBI analyst, police police investigators and a review of court files. The LAPD detectives wanted to talk about Little. He had been arrested in 2012 at a homeless shelter in Kentucky on a warrant for a narcotics violation in Los Angeles. Authorities had then linked him to three long unsolved cases, women who were strangled in Los Angeles in 1987 and 1989. His DNA was found in semen on the shirts of two women, hmm. uh, on the shirts of two, and skin under the fingernails of the third. Like, in, you know, remember that, that um, I Survived story I did last week where the lady cut the lady's fingernails yeah. to get, oh, the, yeah, to get yep. the DNA yep. from underneath yep. of them, man. Uh, the half-naked bodies had been found in an alley, a parking garage, and a dumpster. Born in 1940 and raised in Ohio, Little had been in and out of trouble for most of his life. 
He spent about a decade behind bars and had been arrested scores of times on charges ranging from assault and rape to armed robbery and burglary. So everything I thought, I thought like, oh, this guy, because the, the story when we first heard about it of Sam Little was he wanted to get transferred to a new prison. So he confessed to these 90 murders. So I was like, he just wants to get sent to a different prison. Mm. But then when I did the research about like this guy's whole life, like, oh, he he's in prison for murder and he's a rapist and a burglary. He committed burglaries. And all that. So he's an awful person. And I thought he just was some old guy that was in prison for something and just wanted to go somewhere else. And so he just pretended to confess. But it's looking like this dude really may have killed upwards of 90 people. <coughs> and that's like the highs, right? Um, as far as confirmed, yes. A lot of people, they say, like, we believe he might have, like the, the um, Grim Sleeper, they think he might have killed like 100 plus, but he was convicted for like 20. Uh, he was repeatedly accused of targeting vulnerable women, largely prostitutes, drug addicts, the homeless, and others living on the street or on the edge, which is like I said, we talked about this all the time, man. It's like it's like a kid in a candy store, for lack of a better uh, example. You know, it's like if you're a man who likes to have or has a maybe a sex addiction and you like prostitutes, but also you're some kind of sociopath and you think you're better than them or something like that and you don't want to pay them there you li- and you live in a bad neighborhood where there are dozens of sex workers working the streets it's like oh yeah I'll just kill her kill her put her here throw her there put her here nobody who cares right. they're not people to me he was acquitted of the 1982 killing of a mentally disabled woman in Florida what? and the yeah this dude's been all over the, all over the country man Damn. And a grand jury declined to indict him the year of the death of a prostitute in Mississippi. Both cases involved women who were strangled, just like the three in Los Angeles. So that's a possible another two right there. So we're I mean, this guy's. That's why he's so hard. That's why he didn't know who he was. It's. I mean, he's bouncing all over. Spread out all over the country. Spread out all over the country. Crazy. Two years later, he was convicted of assaulting two women in San Diego, and spent two years in prison. Evidence showed he had tied one up with stockings in a car <coughs> and choked her nearly to death. All right, sorry, but he's been in prison more than once for um, assault, rape. I don't, I don't understand why he's getting these little, little bits, two years and one like. Oh man! Especially if it's more than one occurrence, I don't understand that. It's crazy. I, I mean, it was before. It the, it's definitely before the three strike law. So that's bullshit. Yeah. Well, we got him on something. Yeah, yeah, you know, three years. It's like yeah. Man. That's crazy. Yeah, for sure. Especially like the severity of something. Like, you tie somebody up and try to strangle right, them. Like that's the crazy thing. Like uh, I've heard this discussed on other like true crime podcasts I've listened to before. But they're like, if you do something to somebody with the intention of killing them, you should get char- like attempted murder. It, like it should be something more severe than like attempted murder. Like you choked somebody and you wanted them to die. Yeah. So you like they just didn't. Yeah. Or like if you shoot somebody in the chest, it should be enough. Yeah, exactly. It, it should be, be like a more that. severe yeah. a, a, attempted murder. You yeah. know, like it because you, be you wanted them it. to die. Right. You did it f- with the intention of them to die. It should be like like uh, like uh, attempted murder is bad, but it doesn't come with nearly as much time as like a murder. But yeah. if you you know stab somebody fifty times, 
you tried to, that's not attempted, that's not, you stabbed them once, attempted murder. That's like, oh no, I wanted them to be dead. Yeah. They just survived some kind of miraculous way. I don't know. In old mugshots, Little looked every bit the ex-boxer. So you forget about that. Like, this dude, definitely, he was an intimidating guy. Like, he he had hands, you know, <laughs> so with, to pick women as his target is like, that makes it even, I mean, he's trained to fight. Yeah. They didn't really stand a chance, you know? Especially if he's picking on mentally challenged people and everything. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, he was muscular, broad-shouldered, but trim, with bushy hair and a thick mustache. He kind of looks like uh, the vampire in Brooklyn. Uh, in a 1972 police photo, when he was 31, Little looked bored, with his head cocked as if shrugging off his last, his latest arrest. Like, hey, y'all caught me, but, you know, I'll be out soon, you I'll go in here, work out for a couple years, you know, keep in shape, and I'll be back out doing what I do. bodies already. Yeah, doing what I do. Oh, y'all, do y'all, did y'all get y'all photo? Y'all done? <laughs> uh, LAPD detectives found Little an enigma in 2013. However, partly because he refused to speak with them, uh, that's when they asked uh, Palazzolo to reconstruct his life. Maybe she could find clues pointing to other murders. Palazzolo is one of 10 analysts assigned to the FBI's Violent Criminal Apprehension Program, based in Northern Virginia. VICAP maintains a database of homicides and other violent crimes that police can search to help them to help find suspects or put names to unidentified victims. The analyst, 34, and her colleagues provide hundreds of leads each year to help local-level police resolve so-called cold cases or long unsolved murders. Uh, despite Little's uses of aliases, like Samuel McDowell, as a, which was his favorite, mm. uh, Palazzolo was able to comb his criminal history and discover more arrests in other states. She plowed through commercial databases, finding where he rented an apartment, lived in a hostel, or held an odd job, including one at a cemetery. He probably let us there. Yeah, that's a little, you know, a little uh, glimpse into the future. Or a glimpse into, you know, his path. Uh, The analyst next dug into the VICAP database, looking for unsolved homicides that overlapped with her 150-page timeline of Little's life. She discovered a handful, but suspected he might have committed more. Hmm. One stood out. The 1994 strangling of 38-year-old Denise Christie Brothers in Odessa, Texas. So we got Florida, Texas, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, her partially clothed body had been found in the bushes in a vacant in a vacant lot. Mm-hmm. Records showed Little had interacted with local police around that time, meaning he was in Odessa. This just felt like him, Pal- uh, Palazzolo said. VICAP transmitted a national alert in June 2013 urging detectives to check their files for unsolved stranglings and other assaults on vulnerable women, and the next year the FBI sent Palazzolo a final report to the LAPD. Little was convicted in L.A. County Superior Court in September 2014 of murdering three Los Angeles women and sentenced to life in prison. Although he appealed, investigators expected him to die in prison. So they said that, okay, he going to spend his life in jail because of the, the ones he was just convicted the for. Three the three in California. And everything that and I just, how, everything. And this was what? 
This Three years was, ago? This was four years ago, in 2014. Years ago. Oh, okay. And everything I just described is basically what led up to the news that we just got within the last couple of months. That but, they mean, think he's guilty of more. Yeah, but that doesn't... I feel like t- to him, he's like, well, I mean... I killed 90 people already, so, I mean, whatever. Yeah, were you going to extra give me life or extra give me the death penalty? If you're going to kill me for the—if you didn't kill me for the three, you know. My whole whole issue with this is that now I'm reading this article, which is only from a day ago, but when—now, I guess part of the lore was that the Golden State Killer was on the run for decades. Mm. But this is insane, and it's like— it's not really being talked about crazily. What is his name? Sam Little. No, what is his? What do they call him in the media? What, what they don't. I don't. I don't nothing. They not, oh. There's no name. But you know what I hate about you know any story that we do these serial killers. Mm-hmm. It's like you. It's nothing you can do where it's like. It's like a payback, where you can be like, ah, we justice, got yeah, justice, justice where they yeah. where they like. Oh, I wish I, it's just, they just like. Yeah. I mean. They, a lot of the times, except in the case of the Golden State Killer, but not, not real. I mean, they caught him like, he's like 80 years old. Like, he lived a life. He probably looked over his shoulder every day, but they, it, they never came like until as, they did. Him at 80, I feel like at some point he was just like, well, whatever. Yeah. I, this dude is 77. But I mean, just, they, it's nothing you can do where they'd be like, I really regret what I did. It's just. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean you know, die. I mean, I guess you don't do it for them. You do it for, for the people who never, the family, all the families that never got justice and never knew who they, enough, who killed man. their. That's the suck, sucky part. For sure. I mean, you're never going to get true eye for an eye justice in any case. And that know? goes to the whole thing about like execution. It's like, yeah, it is. It, what's the point? You know, it's like it, it, it's not going to bring the person back, but you bring somebody to justice. That's good. I guess, man. <laughs> That's rough. Uh, yeah, it's very, it's hard, man. It's, that's a very serious conversation. Uh, just over three years later, in December 2017, Angela Williamson was attending a law enforcement conference in Tampa, Florida. Armed with a doctorate in molecular biology and mm. extensive experience in forensics, the 41-year-old Australian-born analyst spilt, uh, splits her work between VICAP and a Justice Department program that funds local-level police efforts to begin investigate to better investigate sexual assault and related homicides. So this lady is a fucking pioneer, like man. She doesn't yeah. sleep. Yeah, no, she's on her shit, man. Uh, she was chatting with Texas Ranger James Holland, who had just given a presentation about how to interview sociopaths and psychopaths. Now that sounds interesting. I don't know <laughs> if I'd want to do it because I'd be terrified. But that's yeah. like if you learn how to do it and just be like face-to-face with somebody that you know is lying and you know is trying to manipulate you, but you know it and you're kind of having a mental battle back and forth and trying to make them look stupid and catch them in lies. I think that's... That's what I like to watch. um, And to piss them off? Oh, yeah. I love to watch, like, um, interrogation room footage of Mm. people being caught in lies. I I love that. That's some of my favorite YouTube things to watch. Like, Mm. some of the most, like... uh, Some of the most captivating interrogation room videos are crazy where they're like look man we know she wasn't alive when you left the room and they're like yes yeah, she was but like they know they know you're lying and they're like no man she was alive like those those videos are i mean they're great like mm-hmm. to just really see how somebody's mind works when they're backed up against a wall and they're just trying to lie their way out of something that the person on the other end knows they're lying or they come in there with like 
bag of barbecue chips, and that's like the dude's favorite chips. Um, let their guard down. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, those are good too. That's usually first forty eight. We're like, hey man, look, me and you are friends. Let me help you. And they're like, all right, man, look, it happened on Friday. I was there, but like, it was Mike. Let me get a chip. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so she's talking to. That was the. So she's talking to James Holland, and he had just given his uh, his presentation on how to talk to sociopaths and psychopaths in an interview. When uh, two investigators from a Florida law enforcement agency uh, sidled up to the conversation, they asked whether Williamson and Holland knew anything about a guy named Samuel Little. He had strangled three women in Los Angeles and might have killed others in Florida, they said. They wanted Holland's insight. The Texas Ranger and FBI analyst promised to look into the suspect. In March, Holland called Williamson at VICAP and told her that and told her they had to do something about this little guy, she recalled. Williamson turned in her cubicle and got Palazzolo's attention. She had a Texas Ranger on the phone and wondered if Palazzolo knew anything about little. And, you know, this lady, this lady's been on the ground floor of this for like since they brought him in on the three murders. You bet I do, Palazzolo said exactly. Tell him about the Odessa case where the woman was strangled and he had had an altercation with police at the time Mm -hmm. and they suspected him of being the killer in this Odessa, Texas killing. So she brings that up. So now they're telling the Texas Ranger, look into this uh, murder of this woman. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now you got Florida, L.A., and now starting to build. They're like, this guy's got – he's everywhere. Now you got three officers, three different branches – all working together on one guy. Within weeks, the trio was in Lancaster to interview Little. They brought the Odessa case file, old newspaper clips, Palazzolo's detailed timeline of, she had like 130 page, she had his whole life mapped yeah. out. Uh, so they brought she brought that and other materials. He had no idea they were coming. Their plan was a surprise to him. So in a way, you this is kind of what you're saying. He kind of, where he's like, Y'all want to talk to me? What y'all want to talk to me about? We want to talk to you about this. Were you in Odessa, Texas in 19-whatever? What about these two women in Florida? He's like, what? No. Uh, I don't. What? No. I don't know. Uh, hmm. It was pretty pessimistic, Palazzolo recalled. I thought he would just tell us to leave. Remember, he hadn't spoken to anyone about any of this. Why would he? You know, why would he, you know, admit to killing 90 people was what they thought. It's like, why would you admit to that? Just after 10 a.m. on May 17th, Holland sat down with Little and gave him some peanut M&M's. Yeah, no, no barbecue <laughs> chips, but they gave him some peanut M&M's. In his Texas drawl, the ranger began chit-chatting about this and that. Little's time on the streets and his competitive boxing. So he's getting, you know, cozying up to him. So, man, what's it like to really throw a left hook and, you know, I put somebody in? Like, uh, you know, well, you know, I, you know, back in my day, I had a little snap in my yeah. jab. You know, you know, I, I used to put guys down. Oh, yeah, most definitely, definitely, definitely. You want another M&M? Let me get you a Coke. You want Coca-Cola? He's like, oh, yeah, I'll take a Coke. You know, that's cool. They thought he had a friend. Mm. Uh, the Ranger played to Little's ego, saying the FBI and Justice Department were very interested in him. Mm. So it's like, your name's really ringing bells around here. He's like, oh, really? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I'm an interesting guy. It's crazy how the mind works, man. <laughs> you stroke somebody's ego, you can get a long way, man. That's crazy. Stroke an <laughs> ego and some peanut M&Ms. Uh, <laughs> it didn't work. Little had beat murder raps before, and he insisted he would win his appeal in Los Angeles and soon be free. Listening on the audio link, 
Palazzolo and Williamson slumped in their chairs, thinking that this was going nowhere. After 30 minutes or so, Holland brought up the Odessa case. It seemed to flip a switch in the killer's head, although investigators still aren't sure why. Little became animated and suddenly began discussing the 1944, the, um, the 1994 slang. Better yet, his surprisingly precise recall matched details in the crime scene photographs and reports. Game on, Palazzolo said in the guard break room. So they're listening to what the Texas Rangers talking to Sam Little in the other room. They're like, oh, shit, how did he know about the, the lamp was still on? Hmm. They got the headphones and they're like, oh, we got this son of a bitch. The night, oh, that night and the next, Holland and the analysts convened in the hotel and rev reviewed the day's audio tapes. In two days, Little had described 20 slangs in detail. He had also cataloged his killings. Jackson, Mississippi, one. Cincinnati, Ohio, one. Phoenix, Arizona, three. He had told Holland leaving the analyst to perform the addition. Yet none of Palazzolo's suspected cases matched Little's grim tally. <clears throat> they turned to the VICP database, but also struck out. So this is where it's starting to sound like where I was thinking, like, he might just be talking to talk, like, mm. saying bullshit. Uh... It can be an imperfect tool because it relies on local level police to enter data on their cases. So, so, Palo, so, so Palazzolo tried Google, entering one of the cases into the search engine. She started in shock at the result. Oh, she stared in shock at the results. I just found one. Oh, she's, I just found one, she told Williamson. Investigators would later corroborate Little's confession in that killing Oh, would later corroborate Little's confession in that killing. So what did she, she searched up? She looked up them? Google. She looked up Phoenix, you oh, know, okay. Phoenix killing. Or, oh, okay. you know, right. you know. Uh, The discovery spurred the team to step up the investigation. Ultimately, Little confessed to killing 90 women between 1970 and 2005. Wow. Including the two cases he had beaten in Florida and Mississippi. So he beat them and he, was, he did it. That's crazy. He admitted to strangling 18 in Los Angeles. His body count, if confirmed, would rank Little among the deadliest serial killers in U.S. history. Police have corroborated at least 36 of Little's confessions and are vetting others. This is not a case of him boasting, said Kevin Fitzsimmons, the supervisory analyst for the VICP. Law enforcement has verified these, has verified he did these things. So this is like, he basically is like subbing me here where he's talking like, Alvin, he's not just saying he did something. We've looked into it, and they are all substantiated so far. So he doesn't have, like, a notebook? He doesn't have, like... I just remember something. It. I mean, I would... He I doesn't would... have, like... I mean, he doesn't have no type of, you know, chain or, you know, stuff from the, the victims or nothing? No, or just anything. memory. Mm. But that's that can work just the same where if you, if you have crime scene photos and he goes... Yeah, I remember uh, she was on pink sheets. And it's like, well, there's pink sheets in the photograph, you know. How the fuck would you remember? That's crazy. I mean, if, I would think, I would hope that a person's life means enough to you that if you killed somebody, you remember something. Where it's just like, I don't know, they all start to blend together. I don't know. Uh, 90? Shit, I figured they would. That's a lot. That's a good point. That's true. But That's he, hey, I mean, I don't know. I've never killed anybody, and I don't want to. So I don't know what the mind of a person That's who wild. kills somebody is like. I figure, yeah, but they're crazy, so they probably do grab all Yeah, like, you know, it, it means something to them, probably, in some kind of sick way. Mm. Uh, yeah, so he said law enforcement has um, 
verified that he did these things. It takes a lot of work, but we are doing it. Confirming the confessions has been difficult. Most of the victims lived in society's shadows because, you know, they were sex workers or, you know, mentally ill or just living on the streets, homeless people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And few of the killings drew intense police attention or publicity. I wonder why. It's kind of, you know, again, that's why we do what we're doing here. Many of the deaths occurred before the advent of DNA testing. Many were attributed to accidents, drug overdoses, or exposure, not homicide, because police recovered only bones or decomposed corpses and didn't have clear evidence of a crime. Mm. So these people just become, uh, you know, gone to history. They're just like, oh, I don't know. We found a body in that building. She probably OD'd. Or, you know, hey, you know, you live on the streets, bad things happen. Just, you know... Say she overdosed or say that, you know, died of natural causes because it's just bones or some super decomposed body. And these people never get justice or get, you know, you know, their family finds out. So, you know, I mean, people have probably died or have been murdered. And it's just like, oh, yeah, Uncle Ricky just, oh, we just don't see him anymore. He's mm. probably dead. And they never their family never gets closure. He just disappeared. And they just have to assume that he's dead. Uh, one reason. One reason is little left, no telltale uh, stab or gunshot wounds. This is one reason, you know, they're saying why so many of the murders may have been just caught an accident or a drug overdose because he strangled them. Hmm. So, yeah, he left no stab or gunshot wounds. He said he usually stunned or knocked out his victim with powerful punches before strangling them. So he used that, you know, yeah, yeah, he just come in, play a knockout. Bow! And then knock you the fuck out cold, and you're already cold. He just put his hands around your throat until you stop breathing. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy as hell. You don't even man. know. No, ex- exactly. You just, you're, not, you're knocked out, and then you're dead. He also did not always sexually assault his victims. In any case, many were prostitutes or sex workers <coughs> with, multiple par- with, mo- with multiple partners, so rape kits were of limited utility because you'd come up with, you know, a few different suspects, you know, but you still do it. You still do the yeah. work though. You know, I, I don't care how, you know, if you're a sex worker, you know, it's like, it's not going to be, I don't think it'll be 50 people. If it's seven people, narrow down the suspects, man, do the work. But all these, um, all these rape kits and all these things, they're all so backlogged all around the country. Like they're just stacking up. People aren't, you know, following up. They get lost in the system. It's just so, so many coming in. People don't follow up, and they just get just kind of put in a room and lock the door. And I don't know, you know, it's all backlogged all around the country. Another complicating factor was Little's memory. Investigators say it's nearly photographic when it comes to his victims, methods, and other details. He recited one woman's last meal, allowing detectives to verify his account by checking autopsy results that listed the contents of her stomach. Wow. But his recall of dates is less solid. He can be off by a decade, and he sometimes can't name the towns where he stalked and strangled his prey. When you spent your life living in your car, things tend to blur, said Williamson. You can imagine calling a police department and saying you have a potential homicide that occurred off a dirt road in 1984, or it could be 74, or 94. Did they even find the body? If they did, was it just bones? So it's like, you know, this dude can remember, you know, little details, but if he can't remember exact times and places, 
it could be hard for them to put it into that VICAP database because it's like, all right, yeah, she ate corn, but like, did she eat corn in Maine? Did she oh, eat yeah. did she eat corn in Maine in '95? Did she, when when and where? It's like I don't know, man, but she sure did love lobster rolls. It's like I don't, that <laughs> doesn't help us enough. That was the case in early October in Maryland when Prince George's County's police de- um, police detective Bernie Nelson got a call from a colleague in nearby Washington, D.C., asking whether he had any information about a 1972 homicide. So now this dude is in our neck of the woods. The D.C. detective told Nelson that a serial killer had claimed he had picked up a woman at Washington's old Greyhound bus terminal and had driven down a dirt road and strangled her near an abandoned house. It's like... You, you get that phone call, the blue's like, I don't know, man. That sounds like that happens here at least twice a year. Yeah. What are you saying? A, a woman got strangled in a dirt road in D.C. 40 years ago? I, I don't know. Maybe. Let me look into it. Uh, the D.C. detective had no such homicides in his file, but thought police in nearby counties might. Nelson visited the dusty police file room and found the handwritten homicide ledger from 1972. Near the end, he found a possible match. On December 1st, Police had discovered the bones of an unidentified white woman off a dirt road. So it's like, wow. you got to piece together these things that he's saying. Like, I don't know. I was in D.C. I think it was like 72. It was by Greyhound and off a dirt road. And it's like, oh, that's, six <laughs> day, that's six days of work to try to figure, figure out who this person is or might be. But they're putting in the work right now. So I have a, a, a feeling that at the top of 2019, like maybe January or February, this is going to be the hottest story in true crime. What are you at now? I mean, th- this is this is from this story is from a day ago, and they're still piecing it together. But they're at like forty victims, confirmed. For, forty confirmed, That's and cool. still going. Uh, <clears throat> according to the file, a hunter had discovered the remains near a deserted house about a quarter mile down a rugged road off a major th- uh, through. F- oh, through a off. Whoa. Down a rugged road off a major thoroughfare. I don't know what the hell that is. Uh, maybe that's like a um, overpass or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, the medical examiner suspected the victim to be 20 to 25 years old and had been strangled 6 to 12 months earlier from 1972. This is in the handwritten report that the guy in D.C. found. So in 1972, the victim was already was found a year after they had been killed. Damn. So the, he's killing these people like so in the middle of nowhere. It's decomposed at this point. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And he strangled them. So it's like, I don't know. Stab. I don't know how they died. Wow. You know. Uh, and they're out in the elements too. So any fingerprints washed away, probably the bruising around the neck. It's like, I don't know. We just kind of found a body here. I don't. We don't know what happened to her. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. <coughs> Nelson learned Little was arrested on a gun charge at the Washington bus terminal on May 28, 1972. He had been arrested in Florida on a rape charge three weeks earlier, but released from custody. So when this dude was like in his 30s, he was just a terror, man. <laughs> Nelson suspected he had killed the woman during those three weeks. By November 28th, Nelson and his boss, Sergeant Greg McDonald, and, the F- and an FBI agent were in Wise County, Texas, where Little was in jail awaiting trial in the Odessa murder. On Thursday, he pleaded guilty to that charge. Prosecutors had agreed not to seek the death penalty in exchange for Little's continued cooperation with the Texas Ranger and the FBI. So they're basically taking this dude on a tour right now. So he was in L.A. 
Now, just just past Thursday, they took him to Texas and he pled guilty to killing this woman in 1994. Who know? They might probably take. He might be coming to D.C. soon. You can go outside the whatever courthouse he's at to pick a is sign. He, fuck is he you. dragging him to? Is he showing him where? He, no, where I mean just, no. The right so far it sounds like they're just going off of his accounts and oh, they're doing the work in the you know in the libraries of all these you know case files at these police stations okay. and where he he's like yeah it was around D.C. No, all right. Well, we'll call DC and see if they can get to work. You know. Yeah. So he pled guilty in Texas this past Thursday to murder, uh, and he he agreed to continue to cooperate with this Texas Ranger who gave him the peanut M and M's and told him that he's awesome. Hmm. Uh, in their hotel, they met detectives from four other jurisdictions, also waiting for time to talk to Little. So he is going on a nationwide tour. He's killed women all over the country. Crazy. Before questioning the prisoner the next morning at the sheriff's office, the visiting detectives were briefed by Holland, the Texas Ranger, and told what to expect. Little suffered from diabetes and had a pe- had a pacemaker. He sometimes became sexually excited when he recalled his crimes what? and would ask to see photographs of the victims to relive the event. That's disgusting. Did he say that or they just they just figured that? Oh, he might have had a boner. Yeah. Or been like, yeah, that was say something gross like, yeah, she was hot. You talking about somebody you murdered? You know, that's that's super gross. Um, and I feel like you shouldn't let him see the photos. I hope no. not. You know, like no, you can't. The killer could become angry if asked to help a victim's family find closure. He's like, I don't want to hear that shit. Fuck them. Whoa, all right. <laughs> so you're awful. He's just an awful human being. Yeah. Uh, Little also tended to go off on tangents and would speak of speak of himself in third person. Wow. His memory for faces and the scenes was eerily sharp. He was a decent artist, Holland said, and might be able to render a victim's likeness. So in his mind, he could just pull out, draw somebody's face. I can't remember all of it. That's crazy. It meant a lot to him. Apparently, he probably, you know, he apparently still psycho. gets him off, still, you know, gets sexual p- pleasure from thinking about it. Uh, after Little finished his breakfast from McDonald's, <laughs> disgusting. Yeah, uh, the griddle. Probably like a, one of those steak, egg, and cheese bagels. Mm. Those are pretty fire, actually. Um, the Prince George's County detectives <laughs> entered the drab interview room and confronted the confronted an old man with gray hair in a black and white striped jail uniform. So I guess sometimes they do wear the black and white stripes still. Told you, man. They learn something new every day. Although he relied on a wheelchair, Little seemed spry. He boasted of his boxing prowess as a youth and engaged in a bit of shadow boxing for the investigation. <laughs> they really know how to stroke this this guy's ego. Like, yeah, you know, I used to have this little move where I go, sah, sah, sah. Sah, 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 sah. and they're like, oh, whoa, you still got it. Man, like, yeah, you know, a little, little something. A little heard something. Heard it, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, he said he still tried to keep in shape by doing sit-ups and push-ups. Nelson, knowing other investigators were waiting in line, Quickly shifted to the crime. He's like, all right, cool, cool, cool. So where were you in this day? Mm-hmm. You know? uh, Little recalled the case, he said. He said he was living out of his car when he met an attractive white woman, a sex worker at Washington's bus station, and flirted with her. When she learned he had a beat-up car and Oldsmobile, she agreed to leave town with him. So oh, I this, thought she was about to so say she was about she to fry was, him? Yeah. So you drive an Oldsmobile? No, thanks. I only mess with guys that drop Cadillacs. <laughs> I was about to say, damn. But it sounds like, you know, he had game or, you know, was able to talk women into doing what he wanted them to do. She, she agreed to leave town with him. 
She told him she came from Massachusetts and had just been divorced. As she left the bus station, Little recalled she tossed her purse in the air and screamed, Wahoo, I'm free. That's sad. Wahoo. Because they were about to leave town. She was about to leave town with this boxer guy, and oh, she thought it was a great night. Little didn't remember her name or their destination, perhaps Boston or Baltimore. A few miles outside Washington, he told the detectives the woman encouraged him to pull off a parkway and onto a dirt road. As they were having sex, Little was overcome by the urge to kill and began to choke the woman. So this dude is, this is not a woman that he kidnapped. This is a woman that completely came with him willingly, and he just snapped. So something's wrong with this dude. At least, this is his testimony, I mean. You know, we definitely, I remember you did a story where the guy was like, I mean, I killed some women, but that girl right there, she was my girlfriend. And I, I killed her, but like, I didn't rape her. We had sex. She was my girlfriend. It's like, that's just your side of the story, and the other person involved in the story is mm. dead. So, according to him, they had sex because she was like, pull over the car now. I have to have you. <laughs> and that's that's the only that's the only story that we get. But he's, he's saying he snapped in the middle of having sex and just got the urge to kill. Wow. Um, and so he started to choke her. He thought she was dead, but she suddenly awoke and scrambled from the car. So she just played dead. A slick move. He followed her, put her in a chokehold, and forced her to the ground. Hmm. Little recalled her last words as she choked, as he choked the life from her. She said, I'm too young to die. Which, I mean, that sounds a little theatrical. I don't know if I believe that. Hmm. Especially for him to remember it from yeah, 40 years ago. That sounds so like like a movie. I don't know. I think I would remember that. I don't think anybody would. Yeah, I guess. You, I guess you would remember somebody's last words, but that's crazy that that's what it was. Like, I'm too young to die. That's such a statement. That's such yeah. a, like, my last word would be like, no, like, let me go. Like, mm-hmm. not like a profound, like, this isn't what I thought my life would be. And then you die, you know? I don't know. That's weird. Uh, his recollection matched perfectly with Nelson's timeline and crime scene evidence, down to curves in the road and a tree where the bones were recovered. So this dude's memory is, in some aspects, is incredible. Prince George's police expect to charge Little in the coming weeks so they can close the case in their books. Prosecutors will not indict Little, Nelson, will not indict Little, Nelson said, because he is already serving life in prison. So he's basically just going around solving cases for people. At yeah, this point. basically. Nelson's goal is to identify the woman. He has clues, such as she was from she was from Massachusetts, Massachusetts had extensive dental work by at least two dentists and had just gotten divorced. So basically he wants to bring close. He wants to find out who she is and bring closure to her family. That's, that's pretty much all. all that's that, all this is that. That's, and that and saying, Oh, we got to solve. Yeah. Find the body, Close identify it, the victim. Exactly. Little has even promised him a sketch of her face. The killer told Nelson. He remembered it well down to her dirty blonde hair washed over his hands when he squeezed her neck and how her eyes stared lifelessly into the stars. And um, that's, that's, the, that's the story so far of Sam Little, and I'm, I've been convinced. I haven't even Not seen even convinced. It. Not even convinced. It's 100%. It, it, is, it is unfolding as we speak. Every day, the number grows, and other cases are being solved. And th- th- it's not been mentioned since I started to see the little headlines and yeah. people tagging us in it because he's black. Yeah, and I'm, I'm I look at the news. I'm on a news app every day, every yeah. night. 
There's and I no haven't updates. seen it since when he first came out saying I killed 90 people. And yet now the new thing is like, oh, look at this. We found they released police body cam photo uh, footage of the day Chris Watts called the police. Yeah. I don't care. They're like, if you watch it, you can see how nervous he is. I can't yeah. believe we didn't see this. I don't care. There was man. an article okay. about his, 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 uh, what did he call it? He called it his, um, his, uh, shit. It's not his restart, but they called it something. What's the word I'm trying to use? Or like he wants to rebrand himself or something? Yeah. Like, like oh, his yeah. new life. His new life, they called it or something. Okay. He made an article about Whatever, that. Whatever, man. I don't give a shit. I hope and I really believe that, um, these victims of Sam Little and this story itself get a five part podcast series by time magazine or something like this should be I, i'm expecting this to be a huge story in has 2019 he come out with pictures? has he come out with the, the pictures or anything of the of victims or him either one. Oh, him oh yeah they've they've, they've had you you can see not him but i mean the pictures of the victims like the ones uh, he draw or the, no the ones they found out that's that. still he hasn't done any of those yet he's oh, promised those but he hasn't he's still cooperating he's still you know, going around solving these murders that. But he the committed. ones they saw, the ones they solved, though. They I haven't seen it. I haven't. Oh, I didn't okay. do that. I didn't do in depth. Uh, I haven't like, even. Well, seen not it. not even that I didn't do it. It's not out. There no. is no. It's no. It's not released. I had to do the work to find this article from a day ago when we were getting tagged in this. I feel like we found out about this two months ago, maybe more than that. Where I was like, oh yeah, I don't know if that's true, and now two months has gone by. Haven't heard much about it, except when people tag us in and like, hey, did you hear about this guy that might have killed 90 people? He's black. But I haven't seen it like unintentionally. I haven't seen it like not doing affirmative murder stuff. It just isn't. It's not getting covered. And it's 90 people. And it's 90 people and 40 of them are confirmed. So we have no reason to believe that by the time this is all said and done, it could get upwards of towards 90. Yeah. So that's crazy. That's crazy as hell to me. Anyway, that's you know that's my affirmative murder this week. That's the story of Sam Little. Wow. And uh, so, uh, Fran, quick question to you, man. Uh, what up? <laughs> that's right. Are you ready? Ready for? Are oh, you ready? A frazzle thing? Yeah, the frazzle thing. <laughs> yeah, we're doing the frazzle thing. Yeah, come on, I'm ready. And now it's time for True Crime's hottest game show. Frazzle friend, frazzle friend, solves a riddle like no one can. If he fails, that's okay. He's a superstar either way. Look out, it's time to frazzle friend. Ah, that's right, folks. It's been a while, but we are back. Welcome to the hottest true crime game show in all of the lands, Frazzle Fran. The true crime game show where I try to frustrate, flummox, and frazzle my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. And we are back with a new objective. It's no longer riddles. Now, you have to solve the mystery. Okay. Friend, are you ready to solve this mystery? Yeah. These have been guaranteed to be 30-second mysteries. And if you can't solve it in 30 seconds, then you lose. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pull up the clock. All right. To make it official, bam! Wait, does, it, does it start after you finish? After I read it, after okay. I read it, I will read it and then I will start the clock. I'm gonna treat you fair. All right, are you ready? Yep. All right. <clears throat> a boy enters the bedroom of a young woman and her siblings. He does not use the door to enter, even though the young woman's room is three floors up. His primary purpose is to find something he left behind. When his business is concluded. 
He leaves by the same means he used to arrive, which would be the window. Who is the boy and what was he looking for? Now, the clock doesn't start yet because you have clues. Okay. I will read you each of the clues and then you have 30 seconds to give me an answer. Right. Actually, it may start to come together as you read as I read you the clues, but if it doesn't, then you will have 30 seconds. All so right. basically, the only time that the 30 seconds will start is if once I finish all the clues and you still don't know, mm. I'll give you 30 seconds to just shoot one out. All right. All right? Here are the clues. Who is the boy who entered on the third floor of a building through a uh, through a window looking for something in a in a bunch of kids room with uh and leaving the same way that he came in. All right, first clue. The young woman and her siblings are little darlings. Nothing? No. All right. Some say the boy will never grow up. The boy is famous for his adventures. The boy felt as though he'd lost a part of himself. The young woman is British. Who is this boy and what was he looking for in that room? The clock has started. Um, he was looking for himself. He, well, he lost a part of himself, so sure. If you don't want to be more specific than that, I'll, I'll give you a half of that, I guess. Who's the boy? He was... Um, who is the boy? The boy that some people say will never grow up. I'm guessing he died Bam. at a young age. I need you to lock in an answer, final answer. What I just said. What'd you say? <laughs> Who was who was the the question is who was who the, the boy? boy and what was he looking for? He's looking for his mom. And who's the boy? He was one of the one of the brothers of the sip of the siblings. Final answer. Yeah. You failed. <laughs> You're incorrect. The answer is the boy was Peter Pan, and he was looking for his shadow. <laughs> Fran has been frazzled once again, folks. He was a, the boy, the brother, what? He's looking for a part of yeah, himself? Yeah, I, I wouldn't have got that. Yeah, you wouldn't have Peter you, Pan. You wouldn't have and you didn't. I haven't seen Peter Pan since I was like five. But you've seen it, right? Since I was like, when I was five but years old? But you've seen it? I wouldn't have got that. But you've seen it. I wouldn't have Well, I, you didn't. Not that you wouldn't have. You didn't And this it. is a mystery, not a riddle? It's a mystery. Yeah, you have to solve the case. That's not a case. It was a case. It was the no, case of the, who was the boy and what was he looking for. Oh, well, you got it wrong. I don't know. You can, That's you can, right. you can be said it all you want to. You got, you got it wrong. Uh, I've frazzled Fran once again, no, and I've, 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 I have so many of these, and now they will be random. So uh, it won't be, it won't be every no. week. If it's about movies, I'm not doing it because well, everyone's not about a movie. But I mean that Peter Pan is a story. It's not just a movie. It's like but it a, is a movie. It's a though. timeless story that everyone knows. Is it a movie? It was a movie, but okay. it's also a book, and it's but also it's a, a folklore. It's many things. But it's a movie. It takes on many shapes. Fran's been frazzled, and he's clearly all frustrated over there. He can continue to sulk and be upset sure. that he doesn't know who Peter Pan is, the boy that never grew up. Um, folks, uh, this will be our last podcast of 2018. Uh, we are taking the Christmas holiday off. This episode is out, but there will be not one next week. And uh, you can look for us top of 20, 2019, where we'll have a new episode of Affirmative Murder, and also 
a new serial and serial where there will be no vote. We are doing Gone Girl. Fran has not seen Gone Girl. I need to hear Fran describe the first time he saw Gone Girl. So I need I don't even want to leave it up to a chance to, for you guys to vote on something else that's not Gone Girl. So I'm taking I'm veto power. We are watching Gone Girl. Um, I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. Jesus. And we'll see you guys next month and next year, all in the same time. Happy holidays to everyone, and you guys be safe out there. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.